friends, acquaintances, lovers, to episode 326 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. No, your eyes do not deceive you. Ben Magnet is here. I have returned. I have returned from across the Pacific Ocean to hang out with my bros and talk to him about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the newest and last Marvel film that James Gunn has talked about. And also, I'm going to gush about the delicious food I had, the beautiful beaches ice was swimming in, and the horrible sunburn I got because someone forgot to rub in sunscreen on my back and it got me a horrific sunburn. And that was fun. That last bit actually happened, and it's not my fault. I actually did put sunscreen on. But anyways... It seems too specific to not be true. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anyways, I'm, of course, here with my bros, Brandon T. McClure. Brandon, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm happy you're back. It's good to be back. And, of course, Sparks and Ryan, they are there sharing their screen, as always. Sparks, hello, friend. How are you? Hi, Ben. It's good to see you. Um, you'll never listen to the Sisu review, but I complimented you in it. It's Yay. true. It did. <laughs> Thank you. Or or do I have to look at you with sus? I said I complimented you. Take it. Okay, I'll take it. And of course, last but certainly not least, Mr. Ryan <laughs> Eliopoulos. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Ben. Also, welcome back. We're here to yeah. guard some guard some galaxies and talk we about are. some comic books. We're all about yeah. the universe today. Yeah, we are here to guard them galaxies. But before we talk about um, guarding them galaxies and some crazy shit that happened in the news, Brandon, are there some uh, links down below or something? No. Oh shit. Okay. First day back. No, we for don't the have first any... time, for the first time ever, there are no links. We did nothing. We have nothing to promote. It's all it's all erased. Weren't there weren't there Grayson and Ben yes. episodes? Oh, right. Shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> there are links in the description. I am just being an idiot. Um, so, uh, look, it's down there. Check out my CBR author profile. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but there's there's things there you can stuff, check out. Stuff is going on. Um, but my latest uh, uh, my latest entry in revisiting the Infinity Saga is out. Uh, was out this past week. I had. Um, talked i decided to talk about um a movie that i really like and i think we all really like iron man 3 yeah mm -hmm. um and uh you know just try to articulate one of the reasons why i think it's really important why i think why i really like it which is iron man suffering from ptsd in the film which i think is actually very well handled um in regards uh, specifically in regards to how tony is portrayed not necessarily how pepper is portrayed which i did try to go into a little bit about but i decided against it um so there's um so there's that i'm still kind of chugging along there trying to get to one um i think this is 26 so you know almost there I'm making my way downtown just a little under halfway to go um and then uh ben yeah talk about you for a bit welcome back once again happy you're here i missed you i love you missed you miss you and love you too bro all three did of you, you miss did you miss talking about all the things you do outside of this show? Uh, I don't know. The answer is yes, Ben, yeah. because you have four episodes of Grace and Lies. Yeah. Real quickly, real quickly. Uh, all four episodes are not linked below. Instead, I have linked Grayson's channel below. Um, so just go to his channel, subscribe to it, and uh, check out those. The last four videos are all Ben Magnet. Yep. 
Yeah, because um, right before I left on my trip to Hawaii, uh, he and I sat down and we cranked out a bunch of Mega Man X4. Um, <laughs> the end isn't there yet, but we're getting very close. I believe the last episode he uploaded was me doing the boss rush. So that's up there. That's ready to go. And I took down Colonel. I took down the general. And I'm doing the boss rush on my way to, f- to fight the big bad himself. So go ahead and check those out. And uh, Dan Dark. Yes. You know, I actually did not listen to the most recent episode of Dan Dark where I was in Hawaii. I completely didn't. I missed out on that. But oh, yes, no. this is, <clears throat> I mean, I was part of it. So does it count that I was actually, I helped make the episode? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You technically listened to it because you were a part of it already. Yeah, I mean, he wants to listen to it with the fancy effects. No, I get it. I, I get do. it. It's not very different than a normal podcast. That's true. I do, yeah. but yeah, if I if my memory serves, the latest episode that came out was when we finally take down emote or not take down. We finally meet and get into some sort of confrontation with Anksuna Moon, Inmotep's wife, because the whole time we were going through the museum, we thought that we were going to have to fight a king, but apparently that museum, like the real British museum, got a lot of things wrong mm-hmm. and messed up royally because they thought, oh, this this person in the coffin, yeah, it's totally a king's surprise. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, a delightful episode once again. Um, I uh, I really enjoyed... I really enjoyed it. I wanted to say real quickly, uh, Dan is an excellent DM. He is. He mm-hmm. truly is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is fancy editing, but I'm, I started listening to another, uh, to a Star Trek Adventures, which is the uh, Star Trek equivalent to Dungeons and Dragons uh, <laughs> podcast. And uh, it, it's fun. It's fine. The, 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 the I guess they're je- uh, game masters in that, in, in that regards. Um, he's fine. Uh, whatever. But Dan is very good, uh, and I, just having the two contrasts, I was like, "Oh wow, yeah!" You know, actually, Dan is just really good at this. Dan, Dan definitely embodies the the rule of cool when we're playing when we're playing D and Dark and Dungeons and Dragons. He's definitely the type of DM where it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna let you. Go. He's he's the kind he's he's the type of DM who will reel us in when we when he needs to. But most of the time, he'll just let us go hog wild. Like last episode before Onksuna Moon be riding the t-rex he's like you know what f it i'll let you have your spectacle have fun because he knows it's as much fun for him as it is for us so yeah, especially D- when D <clears throat> is uh it's like improv with like dragons so like you know uh, the more yes and uh the more fun mm-hmm. you will have the less oh, yeah. like the less like wall stopping you are the more fun it is to just like yeah that is just be, be silly about it why not i think yeah. my favorite thing about dan on the show is that when you come up with something that's creative enough or interesting or fun then he'll give you a little bit more leeway to possibly pull it off yes mm-hmm. yeah or if you just say sometimes where we say something really funny or really stupid you get the point of insp- like the DM inspiration, which is essentially we get to re-roll a, a free advantage roll, or the that. dreaded D four psychic damage when one of us makes <laughs> a bad pun. Yeah, um, but listening to the Star Trek Adventures podcast, to Ryan's point, there's a lot of no buts happening, not not a lot of yes ands, and I was like, this is kind of kind of not as fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe you rule- find a different show. Maybe yeah. when the when the rules lawyers come in, it kind of does hamper the D and D experience. But hey, D and Dark, go ahead. New episodes Wednesdays, yay! Very good show. Um, Jeremy is not here to promote this. However, a new episode of Suburban Proctologist is out. Um, I'm here. Sparks is here to do it. Uh, so um, 
what, what do they say at the Oscars? Uh, accepting in Jeremy's honor. Well, I mean, like, I'm on the episode. I can talk about it. I helped write it. I know. Go ahead. I know what the episode is. It's a good one. We have been sitting on it for a while. The whole thing is like this episode was finished like a year and a half ago. The yeah. reason we never released it is because Jeremy and I, driven by Jeremy's decision, were retooling all the previous episodes. And so we wanted to wait until we finished retooling all those episodes. That process has taken longer than we anticipated when we set out to do it for a variety of reasons. Um, and so Jeremy told me at a certain point that he's like, I'm just going to drop it. Like, it's just been sitting there. It needs to just drop. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> um, so there's still like, not literally every episode before this one, but most, uh, I think everything up to, to episode eight is going to be re-released in a new version at some point. HD remaster. As Jeremy said, we're very much George Lucasing it because um, part of it is because like, Jeremy creates the score and the music for Suburban Proctologist, and he's just reached a point where he's very unhappy with the way he did music for the first chunk of episodes and yeah. um, all kinds of other things. And he's like, there, there's stuff that he knows we're doing right now with the show that he's like, we could have led to better. So there's going to be new version. Anyway, the point being, there's a very good episode 10 out. Um, if you remember where it left off, you might have to like four years. That that I don't I don't believe he did. I haven't listened to the episode, so he rec I'm sure he recorded a little thing. Sure, and he might have recapped uh, because of the the longevity of it, but I'm not a hundred percent on that one. But I do know the content of the episode. It's a fun one. Love it. Yeah, um, obviously Jeremy Bellucci does uh, all the musical compositions you hear on, on the Fickner Podcast Family Podcast, as well as hosts the Real <laughs> Score. So check, real, check real. this show out. Real quick note, like uh, Pi Pi Dron, our other friend of the podcast, also featured prominently in that episode. So um, it's a good one. Yeah. Um. So as far as the network goes, um, Animation Station released a new episode just in time for May the fourth, um, where myself, Sparks, and Ryan talked about uh, Star Wars Visions, the first yeah. volume of Star Wars Visions. I should say yeah. that was a ton of fun. Which one was our favorite? It's not the one you think. Well, it's the one I've been saying for years. <laughs> My favorite is obvious. Which one was not Brandon's, but our favorite? Yes, which one <laughs> it might not one. be the one you think. Um, yeah, great, great show. Really happy to finally get to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Volume two soon, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, with uh, in two weeks. Yeah. Um, so I check that out. Um, my latest my latest episode of conversation. I'm moving along with conversation. Um, we're, we're now into episode two. We're still early days, episode two. So I'm still, I'm still tweaking. I'm still finding my, my new groove because as I said, I kind of overhauled a lot of the episode, um, a lot of the way I edit the episode. I'm learning some new audio tricks. I just got a pop filter, not present on the episode, but hopefully will be soon. Um, Cause I noticed in this last recording, um, I was making a lot of popping noises. So um, I wanted to, to fix that. So I got a, as you can see for the video watchers, a new pop filter. Um, but this episode, uh, episode two, is about Kyle Andre. Uh, Kyle Andre is the host of the Dragon Ball Super Dope podcast, mm -hmm. um, which is a Dragon Ball Super podcast that um, you know, he, he talks about it. But you know, he goes through all. The, he went through all the Dragon Ball Super when it was airing, and he's going through the manga right now. He's gone through other things, talked to people. Really fun chat really enjoyed talking to him he's a really cool guy um i recorded that i recorded that last year sometime so it's, it's certainly been a while i've been sitting on that one for a while 
before yeah. Obi Wan came out. Before oh, you listened to it. I've listened to most of it. Okay. Maybe um, it was like a year. Yeah. 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 It was. Uh, I had to make the note because I wanted to like. I kind of want to tell audiences kind of the the space we were in when we were recording it, and so it was before Obi Wan and before Dragon Ball Super came out. Dragon Ball Super superhero. Sorry. So I was like, just so you guys know. <laughs> This is before this happened, and we do talk about it. Right. Uh, we talked about how excited we were for Obi-Wan. Sure. For how that turned out. Go to our Fake Nerds Watch episodes. Hey, half of that show is pretty good. That's true. Half of that show is pretty good. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I'm really happy with that episode. I'm really excited to finally get that out there. Uh, please check it out. Um, the Can last I say, link. Sorry, just real yeah. quick. Because it, it, you brought up Obi-Wan, and I think it's a good anecdote. Um, this week, and we'll probably touch on it just a little bit more later, but like we watched the first two episodes of Rebels and I was sitting next to my wife and the Grand Inquisitor shows up in the show and she's like, who's that? And I'm like, we saw that guy. He's an Obi-Wan. And she's like, that's not the same guy. (laughs) (laughs) In design and execution, she's like, no way. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty bad in the live action show, isn't it? Sounds different, looks different. Yeah, can't can't blame Burn. That's really funny. It it was funny. (laughs) <laughs> um okay and um the last thing i'll mention we're going to talk about in the news a lot which is the writer strike uh, the wga has gone on strike i have linked below um the wga strike website the hub for uh anything you guys want you guys want information on that strike that's linked below where you can support writers linked below we'll talk about it more when we get to our news but that is there cool uh all right so who wants to go first of their week i will probably I have practically nothing to add Go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I listened to some conversation. It's a good Ooh. show. Can't can't Appreciate believe that you. I'm plugging it, but like, hey, you know, good show. There it is. Um, it. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't finished the second episode because, like, just I didn't quite get there, but I'm mostly done. Um, and then, similarly, I'm all caught up on D and Dark. While Ben was gone, I wa- I listened to all of D and Dark. <laughs> uh while ben was away so i'm there i'm there baby you've made some bad decisions sir i'm there baby <laughs> it's a fun show it's got we... a normal brain sometimes i sit there and i'm just like oh ben no the greed yeah <laughs> now that we're all here now yeah. that we're all watching it ben i want to talk about something that it makes me laugh and i swear this isn't this isn't in a negative way i just i love your accent work and by that i mean like half like a third of the time it's not even there yeah um, and sometimes you're British, and sometimes you just have a dark voice. And I'm like, yeah. I love it. I love it. It does. It's. I think it's just sometimes you really get into it, and then sometimes you're like, ah, not today. It's funny yeah. because like yeah. I know Ben so well that I'm like, oh man, this is when Ben wants to say something really cool. And then sometimes you don't have all of the words; yeah. you have most of them. And then you get to the end, and you're like, huh? Ah. Like, oh man, it's like when Ben does intros. <laughs> <laughs> But real quickly though, on on the accent thing, um, I don't want to harp on it, but like, um, what did they say on the show? You're in your English, English, English. Yeah. So it's it's that. That's your accent. No, it's his English. Excuse, his excuse, and Ben, you can definitely use this if you want on the show, and I won't take credit. Um, 
It's that he has he has like the different body parts. Yeah. So he's got some different vocal cords pieces going on. I was sure. literally the same as the vocal cord. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, Sparks, you when you were talking, when Ryan was talking about my accent, the first thing that came to mind was like, "Well, I am a Frankenstein monster. I could just say they're just different vocal cords, and sometimes when I talk, they just certain ones just come in and out. It's not consistent." And that's now, a very, it's a very good canon excuse. Yeah, it's a very good because I do agree. Because there are times where I'm talking, I just do straight regular accent, and then I do, and then I do the Frankenstein voice, and. I start talking like this and then I just do other voices and it. I just, I completely, completely fluctuate. And now it's like, you know what? It's, it's Frankenstein monster. I just to, have a bunch of different voices. To be fair. Or, the only other person who really does like heavy accent work besides you is Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, like heavy a lot and not counting danger, Dan. <laughs> and like, uh, his, his has gotten a lot better, but definitely when you guys like the first like seven episodes, it was also just about as in and out as yours. Hmm. Uh, in the comments, uh, what is it? Jordan, Jordan Curtis the thing with Jordan is that her accent is always uh even if it's not 100% there the tenor of the character is always the same I always know when Jordan is doing the voice of Larry and when Jordan is being Jordan like the mm. separation is clear yeah even if the accent isn't always 100% like the separation of the character and the person are are very clear and I can't oh, do accents for shit, so I'm just having fun. I'm not actually right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not actually yeah. criticizing. I can't do it. We love the show, Ben. Yeah. We love listening to you. It's not it's not <laughs> it's just funny knowing you and knowing when oh, yeah. like where the brain is coming from. I mean to to compliment because I'm ninety nine percent sure that's Jordan in our chat right now. Uh, hi Jordan. Uh, but yeah, to, I mean, not to, co- to compliment Jordan a whole lot, what she does with Larry, but also I want to give a shout out to um Imhotep Dan. Uh, Daniel, yeah. excuse me, to Daniel, because yeah, we have two Dans on our show, so yes. we have to say Dan for the DM and Daniel for Inmotep, because he nails the Inmotep accent. But also, every time when uh, Aaron goes into uh, Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, it's just like just the way he does his inflections. It's just like yeah, that is just like the most pompous a hole you ever met but you want to give him a big hug i'll be i'll be honest i went from i went from really not liking eric in the beginning of the show to really liking him but the he has, got, he's, we got he's, here he's mvp the funny thing about eric is that eric will still be the phantom like in in tone and inflection when he's still when he's just being himself out of character and like he'll just carry that but it's like it's not the reverse he's not carrying the player into the character he carries the character into the player mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you're all doing a great job you all should be very Thank proud you. Thank yeah. you. We, okay. We, uh, we enough are. about about D and Dark, which is a fantastic show, and everybody should go listen to it. Um, uh, that is something I did. The other things I did, uh, I watched King Kong, the original nineteen thirty three version. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, oh. I think you did it too, didn't you? Kind of. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you fell asleep a little. Um, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, it. We were recording a real score. Everyone knows that, like coming down the pipeline, there will be a real score episode that is dedicated to King Kong um, from 1933. Uh, our Mask of Zorro episode still has to come out before that, but it's it's been done. Um, that movie is not as good as you might remember, friends. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a fact of life. Uh, it's not terrible, and like it's certainly a technological and and all kinds of other avenues impressive achievement for its time, but like. There's a lot not good about that movie. And I'm not just talking about like the obvious misogyny and racism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like there's very much, we, we kind of get into it in the episode. I look forward to everyone getting to hear it, but uh, there's very much a like 
right time, right place for the moment kind of thing that makes King Kong a success that isn't necessarily about the movie being like well made outside of like obviously the animation stuff for the, tech, yeah. the monsters and everything like put that aside not a lot of very great filmmaking on display in that movie to be honest with you um but it is a landmark film no doubts about it <clears throat> mighty joe mighty joe young is better uh it's really interesting for us i i look forward to you guys getting to hear our score discussion but because we are focused on score um they re-recorded the score for that film about 30 years later so like there is no there is no way to listen to the original score mm -hmm. uh, as it was recorded that doesn't include as it sounds in the film like with the dialogue and the sound effects there is no version of that that exists like uh, star wars all over again so it's very hard star wars. so it's very hard it, like you have to like seek out a version that has been recorded in later years that is still like what he wrote out but like re-recorded on better equipment to really hear like all the instrumentation like you just can't hear it in the movie yeah bottom line can i can i real quickly just mention one one thing about the movie that i want to put i want to bring to this show because i also brought it to the real score it's part of your week too man so there's a moment when you know because the love interest is between ann and jack and there's a moment where sorry john he's he's credited as john i hate it um so jack is john whatever um he's there and he's like he's like you know i love you Anne, and there's no two ways about it and Anne's response is but jack you hate women <laughs> and then and his, res me. his response is yeah but you're not women uh, burn it all down. <laughs> that, that line killed me. That's that sounds like something from like a comedy. You know what's even more jarring about that is that that screenplay is co-written by a woman at the time. Oh, like it's like, ooh, dang. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I have one other thing to bring up in my week that is not like, oh, you know, like go check out our animation station talking about Star Wars visions, like stuff I had to do that that will come out at a later date. Um, I watched Barbarian. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Yes, I watched Barbarian, the oh! film written and directed by Zach Krager of uh, The Wise Kids You Know. Um, believe the hype. Yeah. Uh, I highly encourage you to watch it, Brandon. Um, I ben, to. I would like to watch it with you. Frankly, I'd like to watch it with both of you. But, like, Ben for sure. Because, like, Ben, there are, like, five times in this movie where I think I know what the movie's about. And I am always wrong. <laughs> Oh, he was in my shit. top 10 last year. Y'all was in line. Wish you would have been what? there with me. All right. Yeah, I'll try to watch. I, I want to watch it. I'll try to watch it soon because I do want to. Well, it's I do need it. to go over to Sparks' house this time so I can drop off his copies of Scream. So maybe we can make it into a movie night. There you go. Mm. Uh, I would have a blast uh, going through that that ride with you. Okay, that's right. my week, though. I'm done, friend. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I did. I did the thing he did. Oh, we we watched Rebels. Talk about Rebels a little bit. Oh yeah, we did watch Rebels. Sorry. Yes, we did. We did watch Rebels. We're watch. We we are trying to start a rewatch in this house in anticipation of Ahsoka. So we watched the first two episodes. Also because there's a podcast to listen to that's you watching it. That's I, also part of the reason. They're the greatest alive. So um, yes, some of the team from Waypoint, uh, which we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. um, so more civilized aged, great podcast. Go check it out. That is a watch along. Uh, style podcast where they've done Clone Wars and um, and or and or all the movies they finish all Clone Wars yeah, yeah. no yeah. up till they're doing chronological order basically yeah, so yeah, like yeah. up till season five where it got canceled that's where it, that's, now they're it. in like the movies got it understood yeah um yeah so uh that podcast is great and so we were watching Rebels and like 
the animation is sticky, but like it's nice to go back. Um, I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen this since it aired the first time. Mm -hmm. So um, really enjoying it. Yeah, uh, it definitely like it definitely. I love that the anima animation does get better. There are certain points where it's like. Ooh, man, you guys remember Reboot from, like, the late 90s? Uh, there are certain frames. It's not every frame. There are certain <clears throat> frames where it's like, oh, this is, this is, what year is this? Um, Disney made this. Uh, but, like, the charm is there. And, like, like you know, like, it is, like, my, it is, like, my favorite modern Star Wars things next to Last Jedi. So, like, you know, the story is already there. Like, I already know, like, oh, yeah, the character stuff is already working for me immediately. So, like, right. uh, it's, uh, I'm back in already. It's, I, I will say, like, I don't remember being overly like I liked it, but I wasn't overly impressed with the first two episodes the first time they came out, but partially like knowing where things go and how characters turn out and stuff. I'm far more invested in the like, oh, this is how it all began. Kind of kind of feel now that I've I've already been through. I it. think it's a good like two parter of like introducing it is. your characters and like like, you know, getting into like each other and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that canon reveal is still pretty cool. Mm. When he when he takes out his lightsaber for yeah. the first time. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Canon. Canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, about to, I'm about to let the whole world in on the secret. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, I'm still just stuck in Star Wars world. I've just played a lot of Survivor. I'm not going to talk about that because I'm still playing it. Y'all are playing it. Um, I did start playing more other Star Wars games because I just can't get enough. Uh, I started playing the MMORPG, The Old Republic, again. Uh, and that game came out in 2011, and it's still around, despite it not being canon, but they're still releasing new story content. And that's just really cool that Disney didn't just put the kibosh on it, because it makes a lot of money, that's why. Um, Y'all, that game, uh, it's made by Bioware, the guys who made Night City Over Public, the original games on the Xbox. <clears> so, like, in terms of being an MMO, you guys know that MMO is World of Warcraft, you know, all those other games, like, you click... And they attack and click, and you have one, two, three, four different like hot keys and stuff. And there's like quests to do, side quests. But like the thing about the Old Republic that it is still like regarded as like one of the best MMOs is that it is all voice acted, and it's it's just a video game. It is just like you're doing story quests and you're going to someone, you're having a conversation, full conversation. You're choosing dialogue. Uh, you can become good or bad. Like I chose to be a Sith uh, Imperial agent, so I'm part of the ISB. So basically, I made a Saw's Ventress, but what if she was Deidre Miro? Uh, uh, so like I'm doing like I'm infiltrating like a hut cartel to like take them down like for the empire or whatever and it's just like man this is good shit like the combat is old school MMO so you know I'm clicking one then clicking three and then clicking two so like you know it's not exactly engaging but it's a great <laughs> podcast game and boy howdy I love listening to podcasts uh, so that's me just Star Wars Star Wars all day every day very cool I'll go next because I'm sure Ben wants to talk about his his vacation King Kong obviously watch that greatest sparks um i have been playing a lot of jedi uh, of jedi survivor um which i will not also not talk about because i really can't say anything without spoiling it at this point so um i in anticipation of the movie we were talking about today i decided to go back and rewatch uh at least all the guardians films and i attempted to watch infinity war endgame and the holiday special i didn't quite get through them all i got to about halfway through endgame um but um love all those movies obviously but i will say and because we reviewed it on this podcast and, I, and it's not that i disliked the movie obviously i really liked it um i was definitely the coldest on guardians 2 i believe when we did our review many 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 years ago mm -hmm. um and i want to make an amendment to that because that movie hits very differently after your father has passed away uh very differently and um i definitely see the beauty in the movie now and i definitely kind of I, I 
I, I always held that the first Guardians film was my favorite of the two Guardians films. And now that has changed. It is definitely Guardians 2. That movie has immense imagination. It, is, it has beautiful character mm-hmm. moments. Things that still kind of... I'm still kind of like, I don't love how James Gunn writes Mantis in that movie. I don't love that Drax is, is laughing most of the movie. But all that was kind of shaded away for me to see what is really great about the movie, what is happening in the movie with Ego and with Yondu and with Quill and with Rocket and all that. And so like really just absorb that in a much more um, emotional and personal way this time around. Um, I, I really adored it. Uh, I will say as a person who has had Guardians 2 in the top three of the MCU since it came out, um i've never begrudged you not liking it very much or not liking it i should say as much as the original yeah. and, and thinking it like it was it, it was like lesser for the reasons you felt because everyone's entitled to their opinions i'm very pleased that you have come <laughs> uh over to this area of the decision on guardians 2 um when i saw your your uh ratings change i was like oh oh he did it <laughs> he's seen the vision <laughs> um i was definitely a uh i have a rule for my letterbox for anybody who gives a shit my letterbox i have a a rule if it makes me cry it is an automatic five stars there is there's no two ways about it there are obviously other ways to make it to give me a five stars but if it makes me cry it is a five star movie because it made me feel the most pure emotion i can personally feel Um, the feels and like it really like it like art is supposed to give you an emotional reaction and if it gives me the strongest emotional reaction it deserves the i believe it deserves that five star rating so i gave obviously guardians 2 a five star rating because by the time the movie was over oh my god when the ravages show up (laughs) at the end of that movie holy shit it's just Mm -hmm. it was i was gone oh yeah yeah anyway um yeah wonderful movie um so I'll talk, I didn't do a whole lot else because I, you know, I did, I watched Star Wars Visions. I watched King Kong. Most of what I did was for this podcast, but I did end up getting to listen to some more of my Doctor Who audio adventures. Um, and I'll only mention them in a brief moment because I, because I talk about them a lot and, you know, there's really not a whole lot of new to say. I've listened to the David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston episodes, just the first one of each. Um, Eccleston, really great to have him back as the Doctor. He's clearly cut. This is this is really new stuff too. The Eccleston stuff is like within the last year and a half, right? Just about like two years, I believe. I think the first one came out during the pandemic. Um, Ben, Ben over there, someone's smashing some plates. Uh, (laughs) um, So Eccleston is really fun. I don't love the story that they wrote for him, Hmm. um, which is kind of a bummer because I do really like him Hmm. as the Doctor, and I'm and I feel very nostalgic listening to him be the Doctor again. Sure. Tenant, oh my god it's like Tenant never left um he he is so effortlessly his doctor that you hear you the audio visual video doesn't matter he is he when you hear him put on his british accent and put on that energy of being the doctor it, it is just like he never left it's not surprising that Tenant's great at it because Tenant has been doing audiobooks for all kinds of things for forever yeah. um so the fact that he could like bring it in terms of Doctor Who is like, yeah, of course he could. Of course yeah. he could. Also and he's David Tennant. But <laughs> And it's just really it's just really fun to kind of go back to those two doctors because like the those were where I started with Doctor Who. Um so it's it's very nice to hear them again and have new adventures with them. The first 
Eccleston, he's with no companion. And I think all of Eccleston's stuff is set be- before his season. So he has no companion at this well, point. Well, it'd have to be, right? But you can, sli- you can slide it in with Rose and have adventures in between episodes. Is, isn't, well, I guess. Like, I mean, you'd have to bring Rose back. Like, yeah. And I don't know Rose if they're would willing, have to be there. I'm, I don't know if they're willing to do that, like cross that line, I guess. Yeah, you can't give him a new companion. He has to be, if he has a companion, he has to be with Rose. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, there's really no room in that season, like where she went away from him for like an extended time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tennant, this, his first three adventures are with Donna, Catherine Tate. And, you know, Donna's my favorite companion. It's really great to get the band back together. They're so, they, they bounce off each other so well. They're so much fun to listen to. Um, his second series of books, uh, not books, um, adventures, is with Rose, though. And I'm so curious because I think that's the only time that Billy Piper came back to do Big Finish. So I'm so curious to know if she actually did or if they, re- or if they had a voice alike. Sure. Um, okay, so uh, the, the last thing I want to say about that is I also listened to the first episode of Master. So it's Master with an exclamation point. There's apparently Master with a period, different show. Um, <coughs> So this is this is master exclamation point, which is actually set after one of the 41 episodes of Rivers of the River Song Diaries, which is an insane amount of episodes dedicated to this character. I mean, I think it's warranted because I always feel like the show shortchanged what River Song could be. Yeah, 100 percent. I think even the amount of audio adventures can't fix the fact that they like we're like, oh yeah, and she could have like a bunch of regenerations, so she could have a really long timeline in interweaving the stories. <laughs> JK, JK, she just immediately changes into the one you know. Um, yeah. But like, I'm glad they fleshed it out outside of the show canon because like, that's a character that desperately needs it. She goes through all the doctors, uh, all the living doctors, I should say, because her adventures, the reason why there are so many is there are four <laughs> each and each and every four has, so it's eight, seven, six, five, four and then when we get to the next one after four she actually encounters multiple multiple versions of the master Mm. Uh, so they switched it up a bit and so this what i'm talking about is uh, eric roberts starring eric Eric roberts who played the master in paul mcgann's uh movie right uh he's he's i guess officially called the the master bruce because his character's name is bruce okay um, for those of you who don't know, that episode start that that movie starts. Uh, the master is, is killed. He becomes a snake. He becomes like a liquid snake. He possesses this dude named Bruce. He becomes he becomes a master, and then he is thrown into the time vortex. That's the whole movie. There you go. Um, so not a bad movie, honestly. Um, and this picks up after it's revealed that he's still in the time vortex within the TARDIS, which was done in Diary of River Song, and uh, he is manipulating a girl outside in the 23rd century uh to reconstitute his body so that he can be free of the time vortex mm-hmm. um and eric roberts is deliciously evil as the master um he plays the master as one who's on borrowed time because he re- he is like this body is not was never meant to last this isn't a proper body for him um this is some, something that's possessing and he just kind of has like this maniacalness to the master that's kind of it's it's so far removed from where we'll see him with john sim but also not quite where we saw him prior with the seventh doctor's master 
um he's he's this kind of deliciously like reveling in being evil like i love i love being the master i love manipulating people this is this is what i love and he's got such a delicious laugh mm-hmm. um so it's, it was very fun to listen to to him be that be that master i kind of got nostalgic for it because i've been listening to all the eighth doctor adventures and i'm like i you know he never meets he never sees his doctor again he never sees his master again like i want to listen to what he did and so i did that it's apparently longer like he meets missy at one point which is I'm, I'm interested in hearing but yeah really fun it's just such a cool time just to follow this person who you know is going to destroy the world um and 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 just kind of revel in it it's, it's, i really liked it i i thoroughly enjoyed myself with it nice that's my week great ben yeah. talk about your vacation ah <sighs> Yeah, so obviously I was gone for two and a for two weeks or three weeks from the show. I was off work for two and a half because apparently the universe loves to throw fun practical jokes at me and make me get sick before a big vacation mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I was like, uh oh. Yeah. Um, luckily, it was luckily I had plenty of time to recover. It wasn't COVID this time. It was just a regular common cold. But still, it was just one. I mean, it got me three extra days off work, which was nice. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it was just one of those things where I'm in bed or I'm back home just popping zinc and elderberry gummies like Tic Tacs because I'm just trying to feel better for my trip. Um, the trip itself was fantastic. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been posting a bunch of photos and a bunch of, of things I did over there. Um, some of the highlights was obviously zipline through North Shore, Oahu, which was absolutely stunning, beautiful. Um, I kayaked with sea turtles. Uh, we were kayaking. Uh, so so we went there for my fiance's best friend's wedding. And the wedding venue was up in Turtle Bay, which is up in North Shore, which is this big, giant resort. And in that resort, they have an area um, that's essentially a sanctuary for sea turtles. And we're able to kayak there, and they are very specific. They tell us, "Is like, hey, you can look at the sea turtles. You can kayak them. If they come up to you, just stay. Just if they touch you, that's cool. You can't touch them because that's against uh, Hawaiian mm-hmm. law." Stripper rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it was just absolutely cool because a bunch of sea turtles were coming up, gulping for air. They're just swimming around with us. One got right next to um, my fiance's kayak, and it was it was absolutely stunning. And even when we flew into Hawaii, um, the trip getting to the island was, it wasn't bad. It was just one of those uh, things where it's like there was a delay for us getting on the plane. There was a delay getting us taxi. There was a long line for our rental car. And of course, our the place we did our rental car would had the longest line. Everyone else was a walk up. It was just one of those things. But the other thing I really want to talk about besides like, you know, the natural beauty of the island and I talked about a little bit about this with Sparks when I saw him on Thursday. See, Guardians was the food was phenomenal. I mean, I am still dreaming about the food in Hawaii, and I've been home for I've been home a little home for a little under a week, and I'm still just like, man, I want to go back to the food trucks that they have. I want there's like this grocery store chain there called Foodland, and our first night there, we got a poke bowl from them, and we were thinking, okay, it's and it's just it's grocery store food. I mean, it's probably going to be good, but it's not going to be as good as you think it was. No, it was amazing. That could also be a fact that we were just super hungry. We were tired. We finally got something to eat. But the second we popped that that um, fish in our mouth, oh my god, it was one of the best things we've eaten in our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. Wow. 
Yeah, food. I mean, there was like so many. Even like the stuff that we say that was like disappointing. It's it wasn't disappointing. All we were not disappointed by a single meal we had when we were in Hawaii. Even the McDonald's we went through wasn't wasn't that bad. It was still pretty damn good. I mean, it's McDonald's, but that's the low bar to go. That's a low bar to jump over. But yeah, <laughs> we are still dreaming. We are still dreaming about the food in Hawaii. Ah, uh, Grayson like, live in the chat, Ben. Ah, uh, hey Grayson. He said, uh, "Let's see, live show hoedown." What? All right. Yeah, I'm just Dude. gonna. I'm just. I'm just gonna say real quickly. Uh, we see you, Grayson. We yeah. see you. We see you. Um. <laughs> he does not know what that means. I know no. what that means. I don't. Uh, I don't Grayson know. wasn't on. What Grayson didn't do didn't show up on the live shows when you were in here. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that just went. From, I'm only kidding. Went, to be to be fair, one of them was on a Tuesday. That yeah. is true. That is true. Thank one you for being here, Grayson. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm only kidding, Muddy. Yeah, um, Ben. Yeah, everything everything about Hawaii was amazing. Like not, mm-hmm. uh, even just driving, getting around the island. One of the one thing I definitely noticed because uh, this was the first time. Last time I went to Hawaii, I was a passenger. I didn't drive. I hardly drove at all. Or if I did drive, it was for a very short distance and for a very short amount of time. And since I drove Fanny and I throughout the entire island, I noticed that I never went higher than fifty five miles an hour on the freeway and on just on the regular roads. Like the highest speed limit sign I saw was for 60 miles an hour. Everyone on the Island is just more relaxed, more chill. It doesn't matter. The only time where people are like, we got to go, we got to go is in the Honolulu. And that's like the big, the biggest city on the Island everywhere else, even outside, just like in the outskirts in Pearl city, which is um, uh, where Pearl Harbor is still relaxed. That's fine. We'll get there when we get there. No worries. No trouble. No one's zooping down the freeway at 90 miles an hour. Everyone's just like, yeah, let's just chill. Let's just coast on through. And when we come back to Los Angeles, we're, uh, we're driving from LAX to our, to our house. And I just look over and I see we're going 80. I'm like, Ooh, this, this is, I don't like this anymore. Cause when you get <laughs> used to safe, I'm yeah. an adult too fast. Even when I came back and I went to a convention, I was on the freeway. I was going pretty fast myself to, you know, with the flow of traffic. I'm like, man, it's, obviously it's a different vibe because when you're on an island relaxing and here in the mainland, it's just, you know, bustling, busy and go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one other one. It was amazing. Um, I can't praise the island enough. I can't praise this, the the area enough just because every day when we woke up even when it was overcast and cloudy the water was still amazing um it was just a great place to be and the whole time when we were there multiple times when we were there um, my fiance and I were like we just don't want to go back we just don't want to go back to to the mainland i mean obviously we have to um but it was just it was definitely something that we needed because I pretty much unplugged. I wasn't doing a whole lot on social media. I would maybe check Twitter and Instagram every once in a while before I would go to bed. But besides that, it was just nice to essentially just unplug and go swim. We just swimming and just being on the island and relaxing was something I needed. That's important. And and I'm constantly yeah. trying to mentally prepare myself for the mental healthscape that I'm going to be in tomorrow when I go to work. Yeah. Um. But besides, you know, besides going to Hawaii and besides that trip, 
Uh, I did want to talk. I did do something else um, video game related. I went when I came back. I went to SoCal Gaming Expo 2023. Oh, it happened nice. this past weekend, and I went there to make some good connections, gave my business card. I got some good Posmios lined up, and also I finally got some PS3 games that I've been wanting to get. Oh my god, or, is this show and tell? Yeah, show and tell. Oh yeah, Brandon. You're going to love these games because there are two games that you are a huge fan of and you actually got me onto them wanting to, to buy them and play them. They are Transformers. Oh, yeah. Those are good games. Yeah. War and Fall for Cybertron. I had these on my Xbox 360. I don't have an Xbox anymore. So I finally mm. got these two amazing titles for the PS3 because I have a PS3 now. So, yay. Love it. Also, I got a I got another cool um, video game reference book, which has almost every console ever created, including um, including uh, PCs, which is really cool. So, yeah, it was. I mean, it was fun to go to a convention. It was just fun to walk around and talk to people. I was thinking about going again today, but decided against it because other things. But it was just fun to go to a video game convention again. And sure. I must, yeah. And also for this one. Um, they also added a few arcade machines. They had some free. They had some consoles set up so people could play them, but it was a lot smaller scale than the one in Portland, obviously. So you had to wait around and wait for a kid to lose to get game over, so they can get up and walk away, and you can take their spot. But other than that, it was I. I didn't stay there the whole time, but it was still just nice to be back in an area with a bunch of uh, video game nerds and looking at cool and hunting for games that which was fun. But very, very quiet. I'm hunting video games. Pretty much, yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I I had a good, nice, relaxing vacation. Um, even when I came back this past few days, it's just been nice and chill here at the house. It's been I it's just been nice and I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Nah. I'm glad you had a good time though. Yeah. Happy, happy for you, Ben. I realized I forgot something in my week. Can I bring it up now? Yeah, go teacher, ahead. Teacher, teacher. Okay. Um, yeah, so this week, Fortnite started oh, yeah. a Star Wars event. That's true. We all Based around the prequels. <clears throat> and uh, I definitely want to highlight it because, man, Fortnite just keeps dropping great stuff. So there's clones. Um, they've dropped uh, clone troopers into the game. They have very many styles. There's the standard form, there's the Coruscant uh, Guard, there's um, the 501st, there's Obi-Wan's guys. Yeah. You got Wolves, you got Ahsoka's, you, you got, got Ahsoka's those. team. You got to earn those. Uh, Darth Maul, Anakin, Padme, all looking great. They, uh, Maul looking hot. Uh, dropped in. But the more important thing than just like new skins and, and that they look good is that they, during this event, they are giving you the ability to like learn to use the Force from, from one of the people. And so you can learn from Obi-Wan or Anakin or Darth Maul on the map. And when you do that, you get uh, a lightsaber and force abilities and force movement. And like Ryan has said many times that like Fortnite is has become just like a very good movement game. And this is very true. Like the movement in this is stunning. Brandon, your like contemporary comparison for this would be Battlefront 2. Um, mm. Oh, it's so much better. Moving with the force abilities <laughs> in this game is so good and yeah. so much better. And so like we were just like all going and getting our four stuff right away and in a team with like our friend pie and we unfortunately didn't get to play with ben but ben has played this stuff um you you get like an ability and so like we're all we've all got our force abilities and we're just like force pulling force pushing slashing with the lightsaber once we bring them into us like there was one moment when we out. were just like ganking fools and i was like this is pretty sick yeah. this is pretty sick you yeah, guys that's a, that's are a damn good game 
you guys would be happy to know that I have also, I mean, I did come back and last night I was playing Fortnite to the wee hours of the morning because I earned Aaron Yeager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're also doing an Attack on Titan. Um, you can earn the main character of Attack on Titan, so I earned him and all of his stuff. And also, I was this close to getting a victory royale, and it was in a lights, and it was between me and another person who had a lightsaber. We straight up had a lightsaber duel. Yep, I lost. Winner got the victory royale. So I'm like, damn it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I've also been loving and playing um, uh, the Fortnite Star Wars stuff. We played, we played a little bit together. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun. I'm really happy for this event, and uh, I want to encourage Brandon to join us so we can four player squad up, get Brandon into Fortnite. We're gonna do the force, Brandon. We're gonna we're gonna use the force together, all four yeah. of us. Well, eventually, you gotta whittle me down, right? Do yes. it. Eventually, uh, hopefully, I this mean, is the way. Playing games with your friends, how bad can it be? Do it. Uh, okay, shall we go into our bread and butter? Absolutely. Do it. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. Uh, we got uh, some things to talk about. Um, okay, so first we're going to talk about... Uh, look, this is big. The biggest thing to happen in years. Uh, the Writers Guild of America has gone on strike. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Uh, first, first strike in 15 years. Uh, we kind of saw... We certainly saw the writing on the wall. Many people saw the writing on the wall. This was coming. Um, and, uh, I have a lot on this. So what I want to do, I want to do this a little bit differently than we normally do our news segments. I just want to talk about it and I'll refer to the notes as we get, as we get to this point. So writer strike happened. What we think. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any real quick, do you just have any like really broad points you think we should just start with just for like the audience to, because know, obviously we want like, it, what's going but, like... on, but like before we get in. Okay. Okay. Good point. Let me, I'll start with this. Um, okay. So. I said already, this is the first strike in 15 years. The last strike was 2007, 2008. Um, we all remember that. That was, that was the last strike. Um, but, <laughs> Grayson, sorry. Um, <laughs> got me. Um, <laughs> I looked away and Brandon got all buttery smooth with the voice. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. Um, this strike uh, comes after an intense... Uh, negotiation process with the uh, AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Productions. Um, this is that that is the you know that's that's Sony, that's Amazon, that's Universal, that's Warner Bros. All the big, all the big studios and networks. That's what they are. Mm -hmm. um, they failed to meet the demands of what the WGA was was putting down. They said this is what we want. This is what we want for our new contract negotiations. Contract negotiations happen once every three years with the with many unions. Um, and mm -hmm. the writer strike was coming up. The the Writers Guild of America's contract negotiation was coming up, and they presented what I believe, what everybody believes, all the right people believe, um, is a very fair uh, 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 um, demands. Right. And they didn't. Uh, they just. They just. They. They. The, the the responses were just not good. They were uh, either either they were just not what they what the writers guild was going to accept, or I wrote this one down um, because the writers the the writers guild put up a list of the demands and a list of the of what the of what this comp of what the, this group came back with. Highly recommend it. Again, that's linked below. Yep. They uh, they would <laughs> and many times it's the, it's there uh, rejected our proposal refused to make a counter yes so 
this is this was coming. This was coming. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's not going to end anytime soon. And it's been really, again, being in like the the digital age where we're we're watching this all live, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. Um, these are all people who like the best sign I saw was, oh, you you don't want me to write? You know how easy that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I a really funny one of like, yo, man, I, I love doing this for a job, but like, I, you, you don't, ha I don't have to write easy bunny writing super hard. Um, it's, this is, I'm not, I'm not worried about the future, like, you know, like next year's movies. Cause guess what? Like there are so many movies and TV shows and comics and books that I can read or watch or listen to that I haven't yet. So like, right. I'm not worrying about the movies that are supposed to come out. I don't care about that. I'm cared about, I care about the people who should get paid. Yeah. All they're asking for. Uh, uh, which I guess would sound like a lot when you're talking about a billion dollar industry is 2%. They want they want 2% of profits of overall 2% of a hundred to spread between like the 12,000 guild members, which sounds like a lot, but again, like paying it over, over a year, like it's not really that much. They're not asking for a million dollars. Yeah. So what you just said there, the 2% thing, uh, is 2% of all resid residuals, residuals, uh, yeah. um, because, uh, streaming specifically, has no re residuals. They, um, uh, I said this was coming because uh, the 2007 2008 writer strike, when that came to an end, the Writers Guild of America got really screwed when it came to when it came to streaming because at that point it was a very new service and yeah. studios were able to say, you know, what we we just don't know where this is going to go. We can't really negotiate. Well, these rules were really based around at the time YouTube. YouTube was was like the idea of streaming, like those kinds of digital services, more than it was like what Netflix became. What what prime video and disney plus and all that was born out of it wasn't thinking about that as much when they were doing that back then right um and there's a joke in in the in the second two seasons of arrested development the last two seasons of arrested development where ron howard says says something about like oh yeah streaming has no residuals isn't that so funny but the thing is is like re streaming we've seen this before we we know this streaming services don't release viewing data they just don't Right. And Unless it's the highest viewed thing of all time, like Netflix says every single week. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, this is Red Notice, which is the most viewed thing in the whole world. Yeah. Um, and the um and so so the so they also want that. Like they also want streaming services to release viewing data because they know that that's important. There's a reason why they're not releasing the viewing data because they can claim that these services aren't making any money. One of the reasons why they came back with what they did is to, is to say we're streaming services have, have made us broke. That's not the case. Just this year, HBO Max is due to make $50 million in profit. Right. What's the harm in giving no, writers 2% of that? Well, because it's the it's their feigning poverty in the claim on the streaming services because they want to keep uh, not only like the same salary pay for all the higher level people, they want those pays to go up. Yes. Uh, Brandon, I think you uh, retweeted it, but also I want to talk about Anna Conover's appearance when he was on CNN for a hot second. That and this oh, clip has moment. been making around of um, it's been making around on on social okay. media, where he was talking about how um, David Zaslav's uh, the the president and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, the parent company of CNN, <laughs> and a bunch of other head honchos have their salaries that are like quarter of a billion dollars or fifty million dollars just a whole bunch of money that writers are like, we just want that, but we're going to distribute that amongst ourselves. Right. And even the, the head news, the anchor was like, Oh, you ruined everything. So you probably just ruined my career by talking about that. It's like, 
it makes, she'll be fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. But at the same time, just like every time when you hear a riot strike and we hear because unfortunately, if people at that high their corporate level, of course they just want their they just want their profits to go up. They just want their numbers to go up. Even I can't. I don't know. If this is a good analogy, but if hearing that kind of made me think of the people at my own job because they are also. I mean, we're not in a strike or anything like that, but unfortunately they are there are some supervisors and some managers where they think oh we need less people but we need them to do more yeah and we're constantly telling them no you can't we can't make these it's because the people at the top only care about making more money making more profit Mm -hmm. i i tweet i tweeted this one that um and i'm not saying your supervisors are billionaires but billionaires specifically and going back to the studios the people who run these uh, these studios are billionaires and tech and tech bros and tech companies and all this shit, things like that. People make a lot of money. People who are fundamentally divorced from reality, they do not live in the same reality that we do. Yeah. Nope. Right. Um, and like to reiterate just some points that are relevant, like we talked last week, Ben, you might not have listened to it, but like um, when we talked about the layoffs with Vice Waypoint, all that kind of stuff, like these systems are so baked into the idea that like limitless exponential growth is possible, but that is finite. It's not, it's not real. That's not a sustainable business model. Like the, the key point in that term is sustainable. So like the fact that they are building these whole ideas of like how people can profit and where the profits are distributed based off a knowledge that like every year the number will go up is not realistic. At a certain point, the number bottoms out. And like you, mm-hmm. all that really matters at that point is being sustainable and distributing the wealth properly. Yeah. But like, that's not the system that they want to function in because this is America and America is a labor system that was first started with slavery and then evolved into indentured servitude and uh, now prison labor. And so like, whatever is the cheapest and easiest way to have more labor with no little to no cost for the higher uh, tier is what it's going to be. And like, that's constantly what our system is fed into. And that's why like, this is so important, but like, it's going to be, I don't think like, it's just a going to be a big moment for the entertainment industry. I think like, this is the difference for this writer strike compared to the one that we had in 2007 is like, we were aware of that, but we're very like, all of these writers are on social media. All these writers are engaged in some way or another in talking with their space. So, so much of what's happening is being directly communicated to an audience that is actually paying attention to it. There's so much more interconnectivity between audience and creatives. And so there's a lot more of a knowledge base for like how this is going to go, why this is happening, what it means. And their, you know, efforts here are going to like ripple out, not just through the industry itself, but into other industries as well, where they're going to be like, look at that union, look how that union's fighting for what they need. Other unions and other industries are going to look to it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, many unions, um, real quickly, I, before I get to Dan's comment, because I don't want to bring it up, uh, many unions in the entertainment industry have a no strike clause. Um, for example, the um, the animation uh, guild um, uh, was said that uh, people have been saying that they should go on strike. And Phineas and Ferb was the most recent one that got a lot of attention because that writer's room started. They're under a different union and, so, and therefore cannot strike because many unions have no strike clauses. Mm-hmm. So that something like this doesn't happen. So that the entertainment industry just doesn't come to a screeching halt because everyone just said F it. Um, yeah, I, I know might. that you're about to say that your, yours does too. My, my, my partner's does. Um, I'm sure Sparks's does. Um, yep, we have a no strike clause. It's awful. Yeah, um, but which is why the strike couldn't happen until the negotiations, which is why the contract uh, was no longer in effect 
at the at um may 1st at midnight right um and then it went and then they were able to strike because that's part of the context so we what well, to sparks's point is we could see many other unions take this opportunity as their contracts start to run up to go on strike yeah the right. momentum in the movement is like there right now yeah yeah mm. Uh, to bring um, up uh, Dan's yeah. comment, uh, I love Cody Johnson. I haven't watched. I haven't watched that specifically. Uh, that segment. Um, but yeah, like I don't understand. Like when you have seven hundred million dollars, <throat> why do you need more? Right. I just. It's just one of those things where I'm just like, can't you throw these poor people a bone, right. rich man? Like it's just. It's like oh, shut him up, give him a dollar. You know, get here, give here's tickets for a Star Wars. Like it just <laughs> seems like an easy like. Well, it's the it's the line. The money. <laughs> It's the line on Arrested Development. It's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? Two dollars? Yeah, uh, there's always money in the banana stand. Uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's just gonna it's gonna be a long process, and like it is gonna be it is gonna be interesting to see because I think this is like a this is worse than like the last strike because like there's like oh, yeah. so much more at stake with just mm-hmm. how big the digital mm-hmm. like landscape is. Um, so. Uh, so I, I will take that opportunity to go into what some of the demands were. I have written them down. I do want us to go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously they demand fair, fair wages. Many, many writers cannot make rent. Many writers cannot uh, uh, fundamentally uh, support themselves on the wages they get. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a staff writer or a showrunner. You're just not getting the money that you deserve. And part of um, this, part of this is... Part of this is not having enough consistency in your hiring contract, and part of this is also just low wages. So it varies yeah. on on the circumstances, but yes. Um. So there's also strict guidelines. One of the one of the biggest reasons why the strike is happening is because there's they want they want a strict guidelines on AI. Uh, mm-hmm. AI is getting pretty prevalent out there. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, ChatGPT. Well, there was even an article that came out post strike where where uh, um, studios were like, um, "We're gonna have ChatGPT write adaptations of books, and then we'll have writers write them when we'll have writers fix them when the strike is over." No. Um, so obviously, the Writers Guild knew that was important, and so they wanted to guarantee that artificial intelligence will not be used for screenwriting. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they refused the, the offer. Yeah. That's, I'm yeah. not surprised. That's not true. They countered with um, let's have a meeting once a year about AI. Right. So dumb. Which, which by the way, Adam Conover also did a bit like, here's how that meeting would go. So that AI is getting real good. Right. Right. All right. See you next year. <laughs> what um, is that? Yeah, uh, you played me, Sparks, uh, like a like a chat GPT written like script, and it was just awful. Oh yeah, um, yeah. it was just awful. Um, so like, it, I, I talked to him about this, but like, I'm not wor- like, yeah, like there are gonna be AI movies come out and AI TV shows, whatever. But like, just like the those NFT TV shows and movies, they're not gonna do well. They're not. They're gonna bomb. They're gonna be awful. No one with a with an, any intelligence is gonna watch it and go, "That's pretty good," because you just listen to it. And you just hear how soulless it is. Sure, I think like, they're, the not gonna make, t- they're not going to make a, they're not going to make any money if they try. To count, no, not to counter, but to ex- to extenuate the point, the only time where ChatGPT made a funny episode was when South Park parried, or when they made when South Park made fun of them. Because hmm. they, because if did. you watch that episode of if you watch that episode of South Park, they do they do technically credit ChatGPT and who because it was Trey Parker and ChatGPT who wrote the episode but it was an episode about how ai is screwing stuff up and you and how you get disconnected from things yeah and 
there's also there's also um someone kind of leaked what was in a Netflix contract recently for an actor was that they could they would be able to use that person's likeness indefinitely for all all time and all, all throughout the universe. This is actual wording um, uh, through AI usage, and the and that's something that the Actors Guild of America is going to need to really shut down. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, but, but to really throw my two cents on the whole AI bit, I'm like, get that shit out of here. Just yeah, it's, it's not. No. It's, it, it's the guarantee. It's what what the Writers Guild of America's terms were were the guarantee that people weren't going to lose jobs to this. And if you hold yearly meetings, you can still fire someone in favor yeah. of a Chat GPT script, whether or not yeah. it's going to make money or not. So, like technology taking people taking over jobs is is not a new thing, right? Like like in the the manufacturing industry or the industrial industry like i understand a robot taking over some job that sucks yes but i understand that art is different you cannot robots like as much as much as like i i want robots to have sentience and ai and like i want like a beautiful future not a scary westworld future but like no matter how how well you put into an algorithm something it is not going to put out something that a human being even a bad per like i'm not a great artist but at least mine will be like oh i know a person did that and like you could tell, I'll, I'll have the right fingers, and it won't look like a monster. Well, it'll probably still look like a monster, but it'll look like a human monster, not a digital monster. Yeah. Um, and that's the bottom line. Like people can always tell. Uh, at least people who are into art. Obviously, there's regular folks who like look at a AI generated picture. I'm like, wow, that looks like real people. Like, sure, like. But and like, they don't see the third leg coming out. Yeah, of they don't somewhere. see the third leg or like mm -hmm. the extra set of nostrils or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like I the fact that they want to rely on it, it's like I'm not surprised because like people upstairs are like stupid, but like with art like you can try buddy it's not gonna work it's not gonna work well and like and the the other thing is that like this is important for them to establish now because like ai will get better i'm not saying that it'll ever be able to fully supplant art but yeah. like they can turn out just bullshit for bullshit's sake on ai they yeah. can and like it will eventually be there but um that's they have to set the terms now to say like AI could maybe become a tool down the road, just as as Dan is bringing up in the chat. But like, yeah, that that will never be allowed to be a replacement. Like they they clearly have because of the way that this has all shaken out. They clearly have to make that stance now and say like, this is this can't be a full out and out replacement. It just can't be. Um, and you have right. to fight for that yeah. in your contracts because like your to your point like uh, if they if they don't hold the line on this and they relent and like yes they make AI stuff and it's not received well it doesn't change the fact that like certain projects they have no power to shut AI out of replacing them on projects regardless of like the quality level of what they expect to have out it's all about like actually securing jobs and like making sure that as many have pointed out writing isn't turned into a gig economy yeah right mm -hmm. so so right so to kind of bring me bring, bring this back um uh, we talked about more transparency from streaming numbers yes uh, we talked about that already but yeah one of the things that they're really fighting against when you look at all of this is that is that these these tech studios these these amazons these netflixes these these quibbies quibbies not around anymore um but like you know all those all those mm. kind of all those kind of streaming services they look at writers as people in the gig economy as as uber drivers uh for writing and that's what the writers guild of america is fundamentally fighting against uh in this strike these are not gig workers these are people whose livelihood is tied to this job right um 
go ahead and bring up Dan's point real quick before we get too far away from it. The, about, um, AI being used as a tool. So, so the real shame is that it can be such a valuable tool. It's just something we really need to get ahead of in order to make proper use of it while mitigating the possible damage it can cause. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's what AI should be as far as like mixed with art going forward. Like AI is going to improve. Those things can be useful tools. There are purposes that all of these things we've talked about, like where they can be utilized. There's tons of AI shit in like special effects that right. like nobody talks about because it's not the same thing as like replacing artists it's helping an artist right yeah. and like the, there there is a difference and like even in writing that can functionally exist where ai is assisting you to write something rather than like singularly creating it yeah anyway uh, real quickly on the vfx thing uh, i mm, they got to unionize um they got to they got to do this yeah um, they are they talk speak about how people treating them as gig workers yeah um so uh, they also, the union also wants TV shows to staff a certain number of writers for a period of time and to end the mm. practice of mini rooms. <clears throat> mini rooms, just so you guys know, is the process um, that uh, circumvented many WGA protections um, to to make us uh, overworked and understaffed system. Uh, basically, it is people who are uh, working on a show for about a year before it's even greenlit. It's like four people. Um, and then and then the show is greenlit and then they fire three of them and only one of them sticks on. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what a mini room is. And they want to end this practice because this got really popular during COVID um, with, with like Zoom meetings and things like that. Mm. Um, and the other thing is they want a path. They want to rebuild the path from assistant to writer um, with the number of with many streaming shows going under 10 episodes for seasons. Um, you only get one or two writers and maybe an assistant, but that assistant can never work its way up and in, into the thing because of also a problem that you're trying to get rid of, which is an exclusive exclusivity deal where even if your show is done, you cannot take another job until that show is released. Right. That's wild. Which can really track um, people in, especially with how they'll put delays on schedules pandemic, and things like yeah, that. Man. Right. Um, and that's that's actually a holdover deal from when most TV shows were network based with 22 episodes and you were still writing those shows when that show was airing. Right. Um, that is no longer the case anymore. Right. This um, is very much, you know, like new rules have to be set up because it's a it's a whole new field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like so rebuilding that kind of assistant to writer pipeline, making rooms with a minimum number of staff, uh, mm -hmm. staff writers. Um, making sure that showrunners get paid what they what they're what they're worth, um, and spe specifically what the WGA, what I'm really happy with the WGA wants to emphasize is that because of the system, uh, people can't work themselves work their way up in the ranks anymore, mm -hmm. and we want to fix that. We want that to be the case again, mm -hmm. um, because you no longer because in a network show, an assistant could pitch an episode, mm -hmm. write that episode, and then the next season they're staffed. That's not the way it works anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, so that's. That's pretty much that's pretty much it. Um, if you want to know more, I'm sure we'll keep talking about this. There's more that we'll talk about uh, with this. But if you want to know more about the demands, about more more about the counter proposals, it's linked below. Please check it out. The I, I think like the important emphasis, like for, at least for where I know all of our stances are, is just like yes, we love the Rings of Power and other content like it and the Marvel products and all that stuff. We really Andor, enjoy those. Andor is another one doing Andor. Um, I got it. And it's, and it's tough it. to see these things affected by this and like know that they they might not be as great as they could have been otherwise. But 
it's not more important than the rights of the laborers who are making the content for us. Sure. So in response to this, as uh, Sparks and I were talking about, just to kind mm. of give more context there, um, many, many, many things have shut down. Most notably, the, all the late night shows shut down. I think all of them. Most of them, at least. A lot of them. I think most of them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, shut down completely. Like, we're not coming back until the writer strike is resolved. We, we we believe that this is a fair fight. We want... James we James want Corden support. probably still would have been going, but he, he bowed out entirely, so he was able to dodge <laughs> Thank that God. Thank goodness. Wait, so uh, is James Gordon recording like done done? He's yeah, no, yeah he retired all week. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. No wonder Will Farrell destroyed his desk. Because I there was a clip of that going around. I was like, what happened? Uh yeah, he um uh he he'd be he'd be doing his uh sidewalk Broadway, his crosswalk Broadway while the writer's strike is happening in front of CBS. <laughs> would. Um, all right, anyway. So yeah, um also uh you know, big deal, SNL shut down. Just right. hey, we're not. Those we're are not all going. The writers. They get it. They write it weekly. They have to. Yeah. Uh, most productions uh, have shut down. Most big productions, such as Stranger Things, released. I think yesterday that they shutting down completely. That's a big one because that's like yeah. Netflix's biggest property. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty good sign. That's great. Yeah. Definitely, right now Netflix has, has been grabbed by the balls. I'll buy that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blade shut down pre-production is not going to go forward again until the writer's track is over. Thank God. Cause they literally last week, they just announced the new writer and I would be, mm. I would hate it. If like, come on, come on. That's what we were saying. Like, Oh yeah. He's working on this script at the moment. For, yeah. <laughs> is it midnight yet? <laughs> for two, for a day. Yeah. Uh, community, the community movie will also probably be delayed. That's fine. I can wait. Yeah. I've waited this long, baby. I was going to say, yeah, I'm already. Um, however, some haven't shut down. Yeah. Um, House of the Dragons is probably the big one. Uh, they are just going to continue. They have many more. They have many months of filming left, and they're just going to continue um, as if nothing happened. The Rings of Power, as Sparks as Sparks mentioned, is continuing, um, but there is some context to that that I think is kind of important, and that is that the writers extensively worked on those scripts to make sure that they can finish up what is basically just two more weeks of filming. Um, right. It's just it's just tough because you don't have your showrunners there to steer the ship yeah. anymore. Um, luckily if it is so close to being done hopefully it won't impact yeah, it a lot yeah hopefully. yeah so it, it really it really feels like you know those showrunners they knew this was coming and they were like we want to get our show in the best it, the best shape possible to finish filming right and it sounds like they did yeah um uh, andor is going to keep going uh but tony gilroy is on set however and this is important uh, because i'm going to talk a little bit about this um he's on set as a producer not a writer right uh i i read an article he's he's <clears throat> he's also still doing casting stuff and music stuff he's yeah. doing everything except writing stuff and i'm like all right man <laughs> what have you so, this is why this is this is why this is why it's important to bring up andor is because disney is demanding that showrunners quote showrunners still perform their hyphenated duties while this strike is going on basically if you're a showrunner you also are like showrunner executive producer showrunner whatever you Disney is legally required is legally expecting you to per, to use to do the hyphenated part, not be the showrunner part. Now, this is interesting for two two for two reasons, and one of them, the 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 the, the second one is because it's a loophole. But the set the first one is Disney doesn't like using the term showrunner. They use head writer to get around giving these writers showrunner wages. Wages, right? I think uh, maybe because Tony Gilroy, old Hollywood, that dude's like mm-hmm. a real ass, like. No, that's not no offense to anybody else who's made these shows, but like that's a dude like he's a big movie man. Uh, so maybe he was able to get the the big showrunner staple. 
because uh, he kind of is like he's writing them and he's directing like he kind of is like the guy well now they're using this so this was released in a letter to showrunners um so this was not in response to tony gilroy this was just a letter that's kind of yeah. related to what tony gilroy is doing um he is um so what this letter is stating is basically is trying i believe it is trying to get around this strike by 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 saying and they're using showrunner to i don't know condescend because like frankly like again they 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 we've talked about this before they prefer the term head writer there are no showrunners to these marvel shows there's only head writers um and that's not a term and that's a term to get out of giving people the money they deserve for running these shows and it and it's kind of slimy to all of a sudden throughout the term showrunner yeah sure yeah but yeah um so these so so uh Real quickly, the WGA is pretty adamant that they cannot threaten, they cannot take legal action on 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 this. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And I have to imagine, like, man, when you're when you're so deep into production on a big show like Andor, like, I'm sure, like, if if he's like, I'll do what I have to do to keep the show running. Like, I don't want to stop the show. Like, I'm sure that's that's so hard. Like, as opposed to being so close to finishing or being really early, they are deep in the middle of production. Um, and I have to imagine like, that's a tough decision to make as, as the leader of that crew. It's... Oh, one of the demands, by the way, uh, just in response to the, to that, one of the demands is that, um, uh, onset producing duties, onset training for writers has to be required at contracts. Um, and that's something that kind of went away. And so, so what, you know, in the house of the dragon thing is like losing your onset writers means you can't course correct right yes it should something go wrong yeah and specifically with like oh man with like super heavy like dialogue shows like half of the dragon where like dialogue is like the most important thing and like having crisp scripts is important um not having your writers there is a is a is a bit of a whammy um so that's that is a little a little troubling and like it's tough too because especially with a show like house of the dragon like you've got all this location stuff going on um Mm -hmm. things that are already like it rings of power falls under this so does andor but like um house of the dragon maybe like is in the most uh difficult position with it right now um because they they'll have like invested all their scheduling timing and everything to make that show pop off the way it's supposed to and uh you you kind of have to weigh your your what are your advantages what are your cons depending on where you're at in your scripting process and like i don't envy them having to make that choice like you know there's there's what what are the odds that if we hold back we're not going to get to make the show the way we're supposed to yeah um and like what which version is the worst outcome and that kind of thing and you have to make those choices and like i don't envy that but like it's totally right for the strike to be happening regardless yeah um it's uh disappointing that Bob Iger isn't out front uh, on the Disney stuff, like saying like, you know, while we disagree, I support the writers, like, you know, uh, willingness to, to fight for what they believe is right. And like, hopefully we can come to terms on something like the fact that he's not spinning that kind of angle of narrative of, of the Bob Igerism of like the, the Disney thing of like, you know, um, well, well, I do have faith that eventually we'll find the way to come together where Bob Iger comes out like the like, well, he's the least asshole-ish of uh, the CEOs going on right now. <laughs> yeah, even, even Zaslav, even Zaslav had a quote like, yeah, the writers have every right to, to fight with it. Believe in. I believe they'll come back, though, because they just want to work. Because they, they, love, because they working. love working. Oh, and like, they, they love have, working. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um, he's he's uh, totally good. But the, but the thing is, like, it's, it's going to be very interesting watching how this all spills out because the first one 
to come out and say like you know what what the writers are fighting for totally deserved i i agree with them they're gonna undercut all the others hardcore um mm -hmm. especially if it's one of the bigger names um like zaslav or Iger, but like any of them uh if the head of netflix comes out and says you know what like obviously because they've got stranger things by the balls but like if they come out and say yeah you know the writers have a point and it is time to like change it up like all of a sudden the whole conversation actually the first person to knock a domino over it's like we got that first domino it's over yeah it'll happen it's gotta happen and it's gonna make like the, the others will have to scramble fast to agree or disagree because like it's going to hang everything in the lurch about how people support because what's gonna happen hollywood doesn't have writers anymore that's not something that can happen they gotta get that shit fixed <laughs> and the the thing the thing is like this strike is going to go on for a while because the, the the WGA, the current people who run the WGA are committed to these, to these. And everyone who's, everyone who's read them thinks they're, they're a completely fair deal. Right. Um, this is completely reasonable. Um, if they, if the, the, sorry, the AMPTI or whatever it's called, AMPTP, um, if, if, if this is going to be a waiting game, like most strikes really are, it's a waiting game between the union and the, 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 the other people to figure out, to see who blinks first. Um, what we're going to see is probably the WGA standing the ground for a lot longer than the AMPTP is willing to wait. And the reason is, is because the WGA feels this time, and I'm not saying they didn't feel as strongly in 2007, 2008, but especially this time, people people's livelihoods are actually on the line this time like this is this is this is dangerous no i think like, what they're it, fighting for no 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 it's very true because like we are on the point again like this isn't just happening in the entertainment industry but we are on the point where like you know just this is this is a response like in general like the capitalist system of of our country is butting up against the idea of like the the wage gap and the discrepancy between the lower class and the upper class is just so even the middle class and the upper class has become so vast like it's it's almost insurmountable now without actual full-blown change um there's you it has created like they are they are like far and away uh going beyond in terms of leaving us behind because inflation is striking the pandemic is still something businesses are recovering from um and living wages were just impossible even before that and then even when a lot of places have championed for wage increases and gotten them the inflation hit and everything just zeroed out again anyway it didn't matter right. um and as long as we are living in that place yeah that the wga has to fight for it because like the alternative is fundamentally unlivable yeah. like it just won't it can't function and it's the same for so many other places. Like you, you cannot have a career and live in this country uh, if you don't achieve these goals. Uh, I remember seeing this. Um, my, my favorite TV show of last year, The Bear. Uh, the head writer went to the strike with negative money in his bank account because he didn't make that much money off The Bear. One of the best yeah. shows of last year because he didn't make um, barely any money. Speaking, speaking, speaking of shows you like the Yellow Jackets writer room was like, yeah, we have a one great day strike. I mean, like, and the, you know, this this all ties in the same to like how it's it's is a very similar amount of injustice to when the 
MCU properties, the comic books and all uh, movies and all those things come out and the writers who created these characters don't benefit from it. Like it's not like yeah. these things are making billions of dollars. Yeah. And the people who create the characters, they're still living paycheck to paycheck. Like that mm. can't, shouldn't be happening. It just shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Um. So especially in terms of like the direct stream of I made this show for your streaming service and it has made numbers for you gotten you subscribers you have viewers because of me and i'm not able to survive two percent is of residuals is such a low number yeah but it would make all the difference it's yeah. also it's also important to point out that like there are other states where this is like really prevalent like uh georgia and um some parts of you know um chicago and and all, all that but new york in California, prominent places where these writer strikes are occurring and the living wage and, and how much it costs to just live in those states has gotten obscene. Yeah. And that's part of the state's like infrastructural problem. But because of that, this is all the more like detrimental. You can't live off the wages that they're or the opportunities, the contracts that they are giving. Yeah. You can't you can't claim that you've had a record breaking year and and when it's time for a raise, say, oh, but we're broke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't do that. Can't do it. Nope. Can't um, do it. <laughs> nope. Can't do it. Um, so the last thing I want to bring up, just kind of just to kind of reiterate a point here, is that like these people aren't gig workers. They're not your Uber driver who's got a, who's got three jobs. This is their career. Mm -hmm. They make they make art that has raked in billions. And not just in views, not just in subscribers, but in box office. And they're asking for a small, small part of that pie. They're just asking for a guarantee that they can keep doing what they love doing, but in a way where they can functionally live. Yeah. That's all. Like, that's really all it comes and down like, to. I don't want to like, if the well-being of the person, the foundation, like the right, like the script is the start of any project. Right. If the foundation, if your writer's happy and then you're starting at a base of happiness, then it's only uphill. Everyone start, if you start happy, everyone could be happy. Like, I don't, it's so interesting that like writers are the people who like, writers and like VFX people, but like writing is the foundation and like they, people don't respect writers. And it's just, it's so interesting. It's just so it, interesting. It, I don't get it. You're right. It, it really sucks because like both audience and studios just fundamentally, as Grayson's point, like people think that these writers are billion dollar, writing doesn't matter um you know i i don't get it why do people have such contempt for for writers and for giving people a liberal wage yeah that's that's like, another I don't weird get like american conversation of like why do you hate people just like making money and being happy i don't yeah. get it why why do you hate people living living yeah just being alive yeah, yeah. right anyway that's just i just i just had a flashback from a conversation i had with a family member a while ago where it's like Ow. me too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that is like another another American conversation where yeah, I don't I don't want to talk about that. Um, but yeah, this sucks. This sucks. But dear God, I hope they get what they want. Right. It sucks. It sucks I, that the writers had to do it, but they clearly had mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the companies have gotten too inflated with their own bullshit about what they need and what they deserve. Yeah, we need to change the narrative. It's but, time. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on. If you again, if you want to know more about the writer strike, how to support it, how to help, uh, find out what the demands are, that's linked 
below in the description. Uh, please, I implore you to check it out. Um, great stuff there. For sure. A couple of days after the strike happened, they renewed, quote unquote, renewed Sweet Tooth for a third and final season. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it, it, they didn't renew it. They had, or, they had they had just didn't tell anybody that they had ordered two two back to back seasons and they filmed them back to back. So season three is in the can. It's filmed. It's coming. <laughs> which makes which makes sense with the age of the kids. And honestly, I'm really glad because I was like I was nervous that you know this this season. I'm glad that they had done this because I was nervous that the season would get uh, stopped at and like they wouldn't have told the whole story because you definitely like would be rushing. I think to finish it in yeah. a second season, but like three seasons. There's like three oversized volumes for that that comic series let's tell the whole story i'm really excited i'm happy for the team i'm glad they got to do that look forward to it um it is worth noting that netflix did this so they wouldn't have to pay them a lot yeah so you know right a strike though we're doing it yeah they netflix is the one that do this delay this all the time though yeah, they they had like we'll order ten episodes of Cuphead, but release them in seasons. Yes. Right, you just usually don't see it as much with the live action stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly animated yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, so yeah, it but really the, makes yeah. sense with the kids. Like the kids have to be kids through the whole story. Yeah. These seasons just take so long to make nowadays. Shorter episodes, more time in between them. Bigger budgets, though. Yeah, more quality. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Sweet Tooth, I'm really happy. Um, I'm really happy about this, honestly, because I, I started season two. I really like it so far. Um, and I, 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 I would hate to not have this this show finished. You didn't mention that in your week. Like I said, I didn't watch a new episode this week. You didn't. I, I watched it last week. Said last week. Did he say it last week? Yeah. yeah. You're off the hook this time, McClure. Did you watch it? No. You didn't mention it in your week? Obviously. <laughs> I've been too busy. <laughs> Uh, Rob Delaney is coming back as Peter in Deadpool 3. Hell yeah, I love that guy. Mustached guy. Surviving member of X Force. <laughs> yeah, okay. the, the human. I, I will say, like, now we're hitting the point where I'm like, all right, so if Negasonic Teenage Warhead is not in this, I'm going to be a little bit upset. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, if Negasonic and Yukio aren't in it, I'm, I'm going to be upset. Oh, Yukio. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Groff has been cast in Doctor Who in a key role. Good for the Groff. I like that guy a lot. Yeah. Uh, Carl Urban is in final talks to come to join Mortal Kombat as Johnny Cage. Shut your mouth. This is interesting. Is this real? Yeah. Yeah. He's not my first choice, but I just love Carl Urban. Yeah. Uh, He can definitely pull off like, I'm I'm a cool guy. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Oh, ooh. Johnny Cage is like such a dumbass, so I hope he can. He's allowed to be a dumbass. Like I hope they don't like yeah. make Johnny Cage cooler than he actually is, because he's cool, but he's also like, he's awful. Right. That's awesome. I could uh, I could see Carl Urban douchebagging it up. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. Yeah, interesting. Like, not my first choice, but I'm I'm into it. Like I like Carl Urban a lot. Gotta have some kind of like, blonde hair. Oh yeah, him with some a blonde drizzle. Oh yeah, he could be a douche. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. If not him, I don't know who I want. I because that cast isn't like all big names. Like I wouldn't mind them getting like a smaller actor, like a, yeah. not like a five foot two actor. I mean, like a, like a TV actor or somebody not as famous. Um, I'd have to really think about it because that's like a very particular type of character. Um, in Mortal Kombat Legacy, the the web series, it was Casper Van Dien in the second episode, yeah. in the second season. I liked him a lot yeah, as Johnny Cage. That's perfect because he played Johnny Rico, and Johnny Rico is like just uh, space Johnny Cage. Yeah. Uh, Starship Troopers. 
Uh, and then finally, Crypto will show up in Superman Legacy, which made me incredibly happy. Cool. 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 Because I love me some Crypto the Superdog. Cool. Woof. There's this guy, this actor named Chris Carmack. Um, he's, I believe, currently on Grey's Anatomy. But where I know him from is the OC, uh, where he played Luke, who was like the bully in the first season. Uh, to Ryan. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's still acting and he's got a good look about him. He actually, if you want to go like low profile actor, I think he'd be my pick for Johnny. Sure. He's yeah. got He's got the right energy and look. Uh, Grayson live in the chat says, "If not Carl Irvin, give me Richard Schiff." That's Johnny King. <laughs> oh, good lord, that's pretty good. Um, all right, um, comic book news. I love comics. Jim Lee got a promotion. Another one. Uh, yeah, he is now the president, publisher, and chief creative officer at DC Comics. Is he everything? Before he was just editor in chief, I think that's crazy. That feels like that's a big that's a big boy job. Good he job. is the one above all. He is good job, Jim. He is now mm. the one above all. The Lee above all. Um. So yeah, hey, good for Jim Lee. Sure. Uh, Dawn of the D- Dawn of DC is going really well. So yeah. you know, hey. Uh yeah, I mean, it's always nice. Like that dude's been been a comic book dude for for decades. So like, it's nice when it's not just some random business guy they throw in. It's like, no, nah, Jim Lee, like he's he knows comic books, so that's cool. Wasn't yeah. Jeff Johns chief creative officer for a while? Yeah, he sure was. Yes, he was. Yeah, count wow. our blessings here, boys. Uh, hey, I got. Hey, I'm about to talk about him. If you want, Shit. if you want me to keep going. No, I just, I just, I'm just reflecting because I remember when the news came out that Jeff Johns was going to be uh, um, CCO, and we were all like, "Hell yeah, Johns is good. He knows what he's doing." And then like, stuff happened. That was a long Most, time. Me ago. talking <laughs> praise has had to have been like seven years ago. It that was, was a long time ago. This was the yeah, first year was... of the podcast. <laughs> it would have to be because like Probably. DC Rebirth. That's and, true. And that then... was yeah, that was yeah. good. That that was when that was when the hope was alive. That's true. Yeah. 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 So long. Yeah. Um, when... Mag in the comments. Everything's coming up, Jim Lee. Everything's coming up. There we go. Yeah. Everything's yeah. coming up, Jim Lee. Okay. Ben, I'll, yes. I'll now I'll now I will now um satisfy your desire to talk about Jeff Johns. <laughs> Um, DC is going to have, is going to officially label a new banner under the Dawn of DC uh, titles called the golden age. Uh, this will be where retroactively the star girl, the lost years, lost teens, whatever it's called and justice society of America, both of which Jeff Johns wrote and is writing in the case of JSA, uh, will be a part of, um, this will be run. This will be a banner run by Jeff Johns very funny because i don't think he's released a new issue of jsa in a while mm-hmm. um don't let that man write ongoings he he just can't get them in on he's time he's just like in his little corner with his old like i love all my old people I, he has i want to read jsa so bad I too brandon and he won't let me <laughs> i know he has dirt yeah. on somebody he, that lets him keep a stranglehold on the on the jsa it's jim lee <laughs> he's got them in a death grip. jim you're getting promoted yeah. but i still get to write the jsa forever it's it's either he is just like he's that I feel like this not now, I could be completely wrong. This is me completely speculating out my ass. But he's probably just like, Oh, remember how good I was X amount of years ago? I'm still that guy and I can still make good stuff and sell comics and He is clearly not though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? You know what? Ben's actually right on one thing. He does still sell comics. Flashpoint Beyond what did really well. Mm-hmm. Like 
kid. Uh, yeah, like there, there was a point in time that if Jeff John's name was on a book, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be quality. This is gonna be good. Yeah. I mean, shit. Remember when Aquaman was the number one selling comic book for DC? Yeah, and you know, at least ago. at least he got bad before he got canceled. I guess it's not the right word. No, but no, like, that's he true. No, a... like his the comic quality level was dipping a little bit, and then yeah. they just made then... it easy for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so three new titles, however, are going to uh, launch out of this, out of this new banner. All written by Jeff, no, I'm kidding. Oh, um, lose it, dude. <laughs> three books? <laughs> Let me write a book, please. So, the, so three new titles are being added to this banner, um, anchored by Jeff John's Justice Society of America, and will spin out of the final issue of Stargirl, The Lost Children. There it is, not The Lost Teens, The Lost Children. Uh, which is only six issues, and it's over soon. These titles are Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, uh, written by Tim Sheridan, art by Cian Tormey. Oh, that's a good creative team. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alan Scott has to relive his origins in the 1930s to experience a new coming-of-age tale. He Somehow, through a twist of fate, he's back in the 1930s, and he's got to relive, not relive his origins, but, like, watch it happen. I'm sure this will be uh, like, a, hey, Alan Scott will show up in a movie in the next couple of years. Here's an easy origin story. Here's like, yeah, probably make it make sense. Probably to retroactive the fact that he's gay into his origin. Yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that wasn't the case. But uh, so he'll um, he'll also have a new understanding of himself. This is a quote. He'll have gained a greater understanding of himself and his gifts as he unlocks a new previously unknown ability that could make him the most powerful Green Lantern in existence. Wow. Everything he knew is wrong. Wow. Uh, Alan Scott. Famously, if you don't know, um, he is a Green Lantern, but his power does not come from the central power battery on Oa. It comes from the Green Flame. Um, it's a very different, but he has the same abilities. Um, so this seems like a way to move him a little further to kind of isolate him and to like and make him a little bit more special than a Green Lantern. Yeah. Question: Is Alan Scott still weak to wood? Probably. <laughs> what a okay. silly thing. Uh, I know that the Green Lanterns are not weak to yellow anymore. I mean, <laughs> yellow. Huh. They they are reincorporating his homosexuality into his origin. So oh. a weakness to wood could oh. still be tied in. That's, my That's you know what I never I never understood. I'm not gonna finish. I'm not gonna acknowledge that, Sparks. Um, <laughs> so the, it, it the, did. It not. <laughs> um, so the um, uh, Solomon Grundy was his damage to everyone. <laughs> <sighs> Solomon Grundy was originally his villain. Uh, he was mm. an Alan Scott Green Lantern villain, and he was weak against him because somehow zombies are wooden. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, Jay Garrick, The Flash uh, is getting a title uh, written by Jeremy Adams with art by Diego Olortegui. Olortegui. Um. Jay Garrick is going to be united with his uh, daughter, his long-lost daughter, Judy, whose who's superhero name is The Boom. The Boom? The Boom. The Boom. As in, here comes? Here comes The Boom. Yeah. Yeah, boom. as in, what happens after lightning strikes? So a boom. Sonic Boom. Um, 
so Jay Garrick has been reunited with his long lost daughter, Judy, AKA the boom. They'll need to work to find common ground when a mission that started in Jay's early days as the flash comes roaring to today. Roaring twenties. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess Judy was introduced in JSA. John's is JSA. Um, the boom. Which is interesting because like the whole point is that Jay Garrick and, and, his wife couldn't have kids. So they like adopted to like Barry and Bart and Wally were like their adopted family. Yeah. Secret kid. I guess now they have a kid. Maybe he had like a, or maybe it's not. You know, what well, you're about to say, like maybe it was a... or something before he met, yeah. he met his wife and like, uh Oh, I'm a flash baby. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Uh oh, surprise on the flash. Uh Oh, on the flash. Uh Oh, here comes the boom. Here comes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really don't like that superhero name, though. The Boom. And then finally, Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. Mm. Um, Give me Rob- a treat. No. Uh, <laughs> written by Robert Vendetti, um, who I didn't like his Green Lantern run, but his Hawkman run is incredible. Um, so, you know, I'm excited for this. Uh, written by, uh, sorry, written by Robert Vendetti, Robert Vendetti with art by Riley Rosmo. Um, this will see so when his journal full of deadly inventions is stolen he's a pacifist and he doesn't want these inventions getting into the wrong hands um he needs to find the culprit before they pull the united states into another world war it's basically what it's about sandman old and not and not the the wispy sandman the guy with the, yeah with the gas mask not neil gaiman sandman like the very old jsa sandman. this guy's got a gun that's the one with the hourglass who becomes strong, right? No, that's not him. That's our man. That's our man. <laughs> I forget. There's so many JSA like, members. I think it's, doesn't he have like the gas mask and the gun? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he's got he a has, gas mask on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The JSA Salmon has a gas mask and the gun. Yeah. Ah, that's right. Yeah, he's the Go. one with the gun. Like, I don't know why. Does, does he use the gun? Okay, does he use the gun to shoot sand? I doubt it. <laughs> No, I think he shoots bullets, actually. Oh, that's even worse. It permanently could go you to sleep. It's like, he's like, so why do they call you the Sandman? The sand is the gunpowder. Pew. <laughs> the sand is the gunpowder. Oh, DM inspiration? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm actually really interested in all of these. Um, it's nice to get some JSA books that doesn't have Jeff Johns' name on it. Yeah, like, oh, dude, like, I... I want every like corner of every like comic universe to exist and thrive. Uh, I just don't think any one person should have like a uh, like the monopoly <laughs> the monopoly on it for like tw- it feels like it feels like twenty years at this point, man. Like for real. Well, because he wrote the first one. Yeah, and I'm like, they're luckily other writers are allowed to grace the presence of of the JSA. Uh, but like, it is nice because like I know Jeremy Adams is like the Flash guy, so him getting to write like a Jake Eric book makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like that's great. Like these all sound cool. Mm. trailers oh, oh to, to finish up i was like i want more jsa in my life i could use some more mm-hmm. jsa just watch black adam again no <laughs> i'll watch uh watch star girl no oh actually you probably would enjoy that one From all, yeah. I, I i that show's apparently pretty good i just i don't want to watch okay yeah i fell yeah. off but yeah. i liked what i watched yeah. uh trailers did we want to talk about the outlaw johnny black hell yeah i watched it okay did you watch it? I watched it. Oh man, it's this, it's the new Black Dynamite movie. That's awesome. Oh, man, I wish you would have saw. Have you seen Black Dynamite? Yeah. Okay. I've yeah. seen Black Dynamite. I've yeah. seen the Adult Swim anime. The TV show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is that, but it's a western. Um, it looks really funny. Um, is it like same 
It's Michael really? J. White. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's the the trailer. It's it's like it's what if Black Dynamite, but it's an action adventure western black exploitation action drama. That's the whole movie. Like that's the the trailer is telling you. Oh, this. ten out of ten. Yeah. Uh, it looks really funny. I'm all about it. I uh, Black Dynamite is like a national treasure. Um, so like getting a, another type of one of those movies is like hell fantastic. yeah. Black Dynamite's fantastic. I threw that shit before you walked in the room. Have <laughs> you watched Black Excellent Dynamite, Ben? Oh, man. I've, never see, I've only seen the trailer for it. I've never seen the that movie. Is a, that is a movie night we definitely need to do, and everybody should watch that animated show that only got one season, unfortunately, but it was super good. Yeah, and Matt says, if they hit the Western Black Dynamite, now I want a sci-fi. Yeah, that's the next one. Oh. Yeah, I'll watch that 100%. Maybe it got two, and then the second one just wasn't released. I don't maybe, remember maybe. anymore. But like, it got truncated. I know that. Um, super good. God, that show's good. That movie's great. Yeah. Yeah, this looks, looks like a I good time. I want more, for sure. Uh, Gran Turismo. <laughs> what a funny idea for a movie. I don't hate this. I don't hate it. The The, the director intrigues me, even though I haven't liked like his last two movies. Thanks, Meg. Um, two seasons. Uh, two seasons of that show? Cool. Um, I think I like the, I like the cast, and it is... Instead of doing, like, we're just going to make, like, you know, uh, another racing movie, they're doing a video game thing, and it is based on a true story. Like, this did happen. Yeah. Maybe not as dramatic, obviously, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. But, like, this is, like, this is, like, a fun idea. Like, if you're going to make a Gran Turismo thing, like, why don't you do the thing that you did with a tournament and this kid who got really far? Right. Yeah. yeah I think it's... Go ahead. it's I was going to say, like, I, <laughs> I think the idea of tackling, you know... Yeah, okay, so you've got a really good idea of, like, the mechanics of driving, but you do not have the physical stamina, you do not have, like, the experience of of what it is to sit in that uh, seat and feel the heat and yeah. actually have to deal with all of what happens, um, that it's two totally different things, and I think, like, directly tackling that, I'm like, that's, that's kind of like a fun, like, video game sports movie, like, I'm not, I don't hate this, this seems like kind of cool. Yeah. I actually think this is a really good idea, because uh, as Ryan said, like, you know, you could have just done another... You could have done Need for Speed, right? You could have just made another, just another racing movie, and that's a really easy way to go with a racing game. Just make a racing movie. There's not a lot of lore to a racing game normally, so you can just do what you want. Um, but why would you want to? Because Speed Racer exists. Um, but uh, this is a really cool idea of being like, okay, yeah, we're making a video game movie, but it's actually about this true story related to this game. It makes me far more interested in it. Um, I do like Neil Baumkamp. Ryan's right. I really haven't liked a lot of like the most recent of his movies. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly hopeful. I think this looks really, really interesting. What was his most recent movie again? I'm Chappie. 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 Oh, okay. And then Elysium before that, which is fine. Oh, yeah. he, like, oh, this is the guy who did never this, been Neil Blomkamp's district no, nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, importantly, like he did lead, this isn't just him that he does have some, but like, I know there was like this whole like initiative he did, with a whole bunch of shorts and like weird kind of like creature Dust. things and like that. And so he had some, some stuff in there that was like, that was pretty good. Like his short stuff was his shorts work oh, was yeah. really cool. And like, I do think it's a credit to clearly he had something really great going with that alien film that we'll never see, unfortunately, because Sigourney Weaver recently, like really recently commented and said, yeah, I really like what we were doing with Neil Blomkamp and that's not happening. So I'm not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. That was really funny, by the way, when she was like, yeah, I really wanted to do that. So sorry. Shame. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of tells you all you need to know about, like, there was probably something pretty, pretty solid there. So and he was trying, um, he was trying to, he was doing, he was going to do a RoboCop sequel. 
and then that was right. taken away from him. Uh, man, that he's also like been teasing Halo stuff for a couple of weeks now, and I don't know if that's just like more like, oh, we're gonna do another TV spot for a game that nobody's playing anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing, Neil? What are you doing? God, I wish he'd done that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. The 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 shots in the movie look. I like them. Yeah. Like I, I like the way this movie looks like it's already filmed um, by Blomkamp. So uh, I, I like the concept. I like the I like the potential for this. Yeah. And like generally with uh like you know American racing movies, it's about NASCAR. And I just I love race. Like racing in itself is a really cool idea, but going in just a circle has never appealed to me. No, I don't care how fast you're going. But when it's like Formula One and like yeah. cars that weigh like seven pounds, so like when they when they crash, they literally fly in the air. Uh, like that's really. I find that stuff like really cool. Like I love like Formula One racing movies. I don't watch a lot of them, but when I do, I'm like, hell yeah! You're not going yeah. in a circle. Or like, the last racing movie I watched was Ford v Ferrari. The great Ford movie. The, the great movie. Mm. But even then, like, um, because like because that movie was all about uh, Ford beating Ferrari in the 24 hour Le Mans, and that's a complete and it's it's a complete it's a track with twists and turns. Actually, one of the reasons why I, I think now more Americans are kind of embracing F1 Formula One racing because. Um, there's more twists and turns. There's, you know, cars go a whole lot faster. Even the, I, I was fortunate a few years ago to go to the Grand Prix of Long at the Grand Prix at Long Beach. And yo, you want to talk about fast. Those suckers go zip, but sorry. Just more exciting. Yeah. But talking about Gran Turismo, I feel that if you were to make a movie about Gran Turismo, this is the best way to go because otherwise you're probably just going to get another generic, uh, scrappy young racer (laughs) who goes from the bottom to the top. And the way that you incorporate, and because if you ever play Gran Turismo, there is no story. There is no, it is when they, they advertise Gran Turismo as a driving simulator. It, it is the most like simulation. Like yeah, you want yeah. to know what it's like to drive a real car with a controller. This is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I owned like the only Gran Turismo game I've ever owned and played was Gran Turismo three for the PS for the PS two. Fantastic game. Great soundtrack. I barely played it because I wasn't much into the simulation of it. I'm more of a kart racer guy. I like going, doing crazy shit. Um, but there are people who play Gran Turismo and they have this whole rig with the, the steering wheel controller. They have the pedals. They have oh, everything yeah. to their um, to their liking. And the fact that someone actually played Gran Turismo so much and they became a professional race car driver... I and they worked their way up. I think this is like a great way to incorporate the, the game into into like a decent story. The uh, the the real person that this is based off of had an interview a number of years back because he's become a Formula One racer. He's like he he's a real racer now. Um, and he talked about and he was asked about his experience uh, coming from gamer to racer. And he's like, you know, Gran Turismo is a really good good example of this because like he when what he said was like outside of like the wind resistance, Gran Turismo gets it right. Like you're the braking, like if you got that kind of rig, you're braking, you're turning, you're shifting. It's all very accurate to what you actually do out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I'm, I mean, yes, it's a video game. It's a video game I'm familiar with. I'm excited to see this, but I'm really excited because it's not a video game adaptation in the terms of like, say, Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. This is like, I don't know what to call it. It is based <laughs> around a video game, but at the same time, it's, it's based on like a, I don't want to call it video game realism, it's, but I don't have a word to describe movie. this. It's a video game yeah. movie. Like, because it's a weird type of it, it doesn't not make it a video game movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that they don't, just because they can, um, create some, like, sappy story where Jimon Hansu's 
dad character dies. Oh, oh Jesus! For some reason, because like he's gotta he's gotta make it through a movie, right? <laughs> There's no reason I'm, for him. He, I mean, he did just make it through Fury of the Gods. So yeah, yeah. Like, I, uh, and Kingsman really and Kingsman, there the prequel, go. King the King's Man. He made it through. Oh sure, right. You told me that. I'm happy about that. I don't know if I'll watch that movie, but I am happy he made it through. But... Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, I like the cast. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see him. It's also nice to see Orlando Bloom. Not where I expected to see him next. Yeah. But I'm, I'm into yeah. it. Yeah, I'm into the, into the. Cast. Me too. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to seeing. When the I, when I first saw before I saw the trailer, when I just saw the Gran Turismo trailer being shared around, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, I was ready for another Need for Speed situation. Then I watched it. I'm like. Oh, okay. Okay. Honestly, all right. I'm kind of here. I'm kind of here for it. I saw a copy of the original Gran Turismo for the for the PS1 on sale at the at SoCal Gaming. Didn't have a price tag on it, and I thought about it, and now I'm kind of bummed in and pick it up. I'm pretty sure it was because I saw a copy of Gran Turismo 2 for like five bucks somewhere. You don't need it, man. You don't need it just because you saw a movie trailer for it. You're not going to enjoy it. It's the simulation game. You just said you don't like those games. Don't buy it just to buy it. Yeah, Ben. Be strong, Ben. I I obviously didn't. Grayson, uh, very, very fun comment. Good job. Um, we see you. Yeah, sorry. I almost drowned. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, we, we saw it. <laughs> Couldn't do anything about it, so you know, I was just like, boy, I hope he pulls through. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Dune, part two. So things are about to get spicy. So a uh, fun story. While I was chilling on the beach one day, um, over this, even over the sound of the waves, I was actually hearing Ryan making that exact sound when the trailer dropped because I'm like, oh, guess Dune Two trailer dropped, and uh, yeah, I can tell. It was funny. Like the first six hours of that day, I just opened my window and I was just a starter car throat chanting all oh, day, oh, day, all <laughs> just for like six hours straight. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I love Dune. I love the book i love the movie most importantly my favorite filmmaker right now is denny Villeneuve. that dude has never made a bad movie he's made only bangers and this looks like hey man he gets to capitalize on the dream of making uh like a big finale to a big sci-fi epic uh and it just looks it looks like that first movie looked incredible and like he's doing even more with that because like yeah like that movie it's it's kind of like brown like well yeah it takes place in a desert like I'm I'm gonna allow this one to look brown okay uh, this one though actually adding color adding black and white we're seeing a bunch of new cast members like oh my god Austin Butler as like the bald of Fade Ralpha uh, I love it uh, I know it's being shared a lot with the one shot of him on on the mountain it's just like yeah. shit man like I know like special effects can like can like be cynical at times but I'm like God that just it just looks I believe that man standing in front of ten thousand people. Uh, right in the sandworm. What is the uh, uh, what, Paul? Yeah, uh, Timothy Chalamet. They 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 made a real sandworm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh and, yeah. I'm sure there's like a big ass thing that he's just like. I'm sure. He's like. Boba what Fett. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like. I'm sure what they mean by that is that there there is a practical thing for uh, Timothy Chalamet to latch onto, but like the bottom of it is like CG. Um, like a, yeah, like Avatar. They're riding. Yeah, because when we see him like fall into the thing and then like clamp onto the thing, you can like feel the rough texture. You can see it, uh, and the, like it feels really real hearing that that that's not CG. Um, it it looks great. It looks it looks awesome. I'm excited. We get a little glimpse of Florence Pugh. Team bit. Team bit. Princess Yvonne. God, I'm excited. I love the line. What if Paul Atreides lived? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh man! We see Josh Brolin. Like, he's got you know Josh Brolin. He's, he's back. back. Yeah, and like man, 
like I I love that first movie. Like I will if people say, hey, that movie's kind of boring, I will allow that. Like I think it is a perfectly great drama. This second yeah, really, movie is Ryan, not going to be boring. Ryan will going forward <laughs> refrain from beating you in the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This second one, man, it is going to be. There's going to be just like dozens of people riding sandworms attacking a fortress at the end. Like we read that book. It's going to be the coolest shit you've seen in your entire life. I'm just like I just I'm just so excited. I can't. I think this well, one's going to do really well. Um, the first one, the first one did respectable. It did it, did, but it didn't make gangbusters. Um, I think yeah. this one is will do really well because you get the audience who found Dune uh, during the pandemic and on streaming going to the theater now. Uh, I am I am still so intrigued to see Villeneuve's uh, interpretation of those whisper characters that speak in the cone. Uh, oh sure, they could be. Yeah, I want to yeah. know. I want to oh, see yeah. what he does with the with the space worms. Sure, I don't think I don't think he'll do it, but um, I want to see it. The navigation people, yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good time to be alive, y'all. That's I was true. very and excited. Do yeah, I, I was gonna say, um, while on vacation, Dune popped up on HBO, and my fiance and I watched it, and we were talking about, man, when's that next Dune movie gonna come out? Well, then the very next day, the trailer announcement came up on our feed, so we're like, oh yeah, we gotta watch. It's like, oh yeah, Dune, and we saw the trailer together, and we were really, really excited to watch Dune chapter two or part two. So I'm ready. Not to... I'm look, I'm looking forward to it. Not to bring this down, but my, my my dad was really excited for this movie. Um, I'm I'm really grateful that we're getting it. Either way, yeah, sure, me too. Yeah, man, there was there was a period like you know, with like the the, the Zaslav stuff and like you know like H and HBO Max and like streaming and like Dune Two might not have happened. Uh, and I'm just really glad. Like, man, this podcast has gone long enough for like, man, I'm seeing that movie in a couple months. Like, unbelievable. And maybe if this does well, we get Dune Three, Dune Messiah. God. God. Yeah, like man, oh man, the world is not ready for like human worm hybrid people. Uh, that's when man, Dune's weird already, but like it gets like it gets like goofy. Uh, <laughs> it's it's goofy. Really not cool. goofy. It's goofy, not goofy, goopy. No, with a hard <laughs> piece. All right, shall we move on? Let's get goopy with it. All right, we're going to now talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, written and directed by Mr. James Gunn. That was not on purpose. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Did I say? I did say 4. Yeah. Yeah. How strange. I'm in the future. Um, (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by James Gunn. Um, This is the... Uh, third Guardians film. It's been a number of years since we've seen the Guardians. It's been even longer in, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, your theater marquee. Almost 10 years ago. Makes me feel. <laughs> um, and it's been even longer in universe. So, yeah, so uh, 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 let's, full spoilers. Full spoilers, guys, if you have not seen the movie, uh, do not continue, do not pass go. Uh, pause this, uh, go away, watch the movie, uh, then come back and listen to our spoiler again. Spoilers review. Hug your, hug your pets. I do want to just make a quick addition to the spoiler because, like, yes, generally, like, of course, everything on MCU is on the table, but we will, I know, touch on the holiday special. So if you did not watch that, sorry, we're spoiling it a yeah. little bit. Um, so let's get right into it. What do we think, Ben? Since you're right there. Okay. Yeah. Since I'm right here, um, I'm just gonna come out swinging, guys. This is probably the best Marvel movie ever made. Oh, I got a little scared, I, honestly. I 
did too. <laughs> I I don't know how much I have to say because when I was watching it, even the more time I was stewing on it, I feel that the Guardians trilogy is the best trilogy in the MCU. And this movie instantly jumped up to my top three Marvel films of all time. I oh, yeah. got all of the feels, the characters, the story, the drive, honestly, just there are multiple times where I was watching this movie. I don't know if it's because I was just happy sitting in the theater watching it, but multiple times in this movie, I was like, this is like a perfect Marvel film. It is. It's funny. It's got heart. There's just so much there. I absolutely adore this movie, and I honestly don't have any negatives whatsoever. I cannot think of one. Maybe at this point, I'm like, there are no negatives. Change my mind. That's kind of how I feel about Guardians 3 right now. Oh, yeah. Sparks are right. Sure. Uh, uh, I think it's a great movie. Uh, I don't think it's the best Marvel movie. I certainly, uh, upon reflecting, I was super hot on it coming out. Upon thinking about it, I'm not, I think it's great. Uh, it, it is like this makes me sound like I hate it. I, don't, I love it. This is still gonna go like a nine out of ten. Like the Guardians, like they're all three great movies. Uh, I certainly have a couple of problems with it, um, and it's just it being structured in a different way than the other two movies. I found uh, it ham it it tonally shifts a little bit in places when like something really intense happens, and then like five seconds later that you want me to laugh, and I just needed a little more room in certain places. Um, uh, but I think it's great. Like I had a, I had a fantastic time. Another another James Gunn banger. Sparks. I love this movie. I love this movie very much. I very much wish that there was just more of all of it, because that's how much I loved it. And I'll get into it, but I loved it. So I loved this. I really, really did. Um, <clears throat> I uh, this is exactly the movie I wanted it to be. This is exactly the movie I expected. I'm incredibly happy that that this is the this is the movie. Now that's not to say I don't have things to say, as I I do. I've got a lot of things to say. Um, but I I really 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 loved it. Um, as you guys have as you guys know, as I'm sure the podcast knows, Rocket Raccoon is one of, if not my favorite character in the MCU. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to watch Infinity War and Endgame is because Rocket Raccoon is so heavily featured in those movies, and I really like how they write his character in those <laughs> movies. Um, so I, I really love what they did with him, especially in this movie. So mm -hmm. let's get into it. Um, I got I want to, I'll start with a negative after saying all that nice stuff. It's going to be mostly nice yeah. stuff. So yeah. Um, I don't think Adam Warlock needed to be in this movie. Yeah, no, mm. I, I didn't have... I didn't have a problem with him. I liked him a lot, but like he definitely, you could remove him from this movie and not a lot yeah. of change. And that's definitely a, you know, post James Gunn getting, getting fired end game infinity war, like years past, like so much stuff interferes with what the actual plan for what guardian city was initially going to be, I think. So I unfortunately think it was not an afterthought, but like you can't really include him more in the story uh for whatever reason james gunn I, I don't know um i liked him but like he definitely felt like oh he'll show up in the next guardians movie it's not gonna happen yeah so i i i feel much the same way like i he's used the most significant thing he does in the movie is is hurt rocket to the point where that that sets off the story and that's that's great that's a great moment that's a great scene um and uh i really like will poulter as adam warlock i think he's he's really good yeah. and he's really funny um and i was happy to see elizabeth to back um 
but you take out that whole subplot and it doesn't change the movie at all. Um, not really. And that was kind of my issue because like he, and he became an afterthought by the end of the movie to where I kind of was like, Oh, right. Adam Warlock is in this movie. Uh, a lot of when he showed up. Yeah. I don't completely agree because I think in, it, it, there is value in him when he enters the film. And yes, you're correct. Like the most important thing he does is injure rocket that he, importantly, like our characters don't have the reasons and neither does the audience to draw the conclusions that he was sent by the high evolutionary. We have all the reasons as audiences to think that this is just because of the stuff from volume two and our characters have no idea to connect him to that. Like it keeps things one space removed. So we're not jumping to the high evolutionary stuff right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if you take him out and you put someone who's doing it specifically for the High Evolutionary, you have to move them into that space dealing with him a lot faster. Um, and I think leaving the breath of room is what allows for the Guardians to be desperate in trying to save Rocket, rather than going straight to the source. So I don't think his role is meaningless. Uh, I won't disagree that, like, as the movie goes on, it becomes a little less, like, you know, once once the the bridge has occurred, then it's like, okay, so he's still around though. Um, but I do think like it's valuable for him to be present as that connecting piece. I also don't feel like with the themes of the movie about parenthood <clears throat> and like trauma and stuff, like I don't feel like they dived into any of that with him really, with yeah. him and his mom. Right. And like I like that stuff. Like I thought it was fun, but like I don't again, it didn't feel like as 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 part of the entire story that they try yeah. to tell. It yeah. felt like like in the last revision, like, all right, here comes Adam Warlock. Let me put him in where I need to put him in. Because any character could have hurt Rocket. It didn't have to be Adam Warlock. I'll I'll say like for world building purposes, another reason I like Adam Warlock and to by extension the sovereign and his mother is still being in this film is because for the context of the film, we learn that the High Evolutionary created the sovereigns. Yes. And like it makes the High Evolutionary's influence in the MCU feel beyond this film in a retroactive way, which frankly, the MCU is not usually very good at doing. They're usually doing like a lot of cleanup later. And this feels like, yes, the high evolutionary has kind of had this presence of doing this with species and, and all these kinds of things like that, that there's a very clear and conscious through line that like kind of explains how the sovereigns are in volume two, that, that leads directly into the high evolutionary. And so like, I like that kind of world building. I feel like that's very, that's very rich in its own way. Um, again, I'm not going to say like their execution in being present in this film is flawless, but I like having them more than I, I personally would be more disappointed to have like someone else in his position. Sure. Who's just working for the high evolutionary and not have the Adam Warlock stuff brought up in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like, bringing the sovereign and the adam warlock stuff to fruition even if it is a lesser point of doing something this film is still satisfying sure. for the general audience yeah. that wanted that stuff i, I guess like, like in your point of like i just wanted more of him because i don't feel like i don't really feel like he contributes to the story in a way that the other characters mm -hmm. do i it's, am i like having him there but like it's more like popcorn as opposed to like a or like a dinner. Yeah. I am genuinely surprised that like when we get into the third act like once his mom has been hurt that he's not just like actively conversing 100%. with with the guardians of that like he's getting on the same page like i i fully expected that he was gonna kind of help them take care of clearing the hell spawn and and all that other kind of stuff so the fact yeah. that that didn't happen does surprise me because it feels like that's the natural like connection point and i do think like the answer is because like he's just not an original 
guardian member and yeah. this is about the 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 final point the story for that crew and like having him additionally present for so much of that would would add a, a an energy that's not that is, that could be detracting he from would their he would single-handedly wipe out that entire hallway sequence so he can't be there <laughs> right yeah but if he was i think his presence would have been i think i think i would have appreciated his his inclusion in the story a little bit more if he was right. see i don't think he would have been in the hallway sequence and i do think like i love craglin's moment i thought he was going to go on to nowhere like he was going to assist them by taking on the floods of Hellspawn that's going into nowhere. And so he was going to be one of the reasons why, like, that's actually not really a problem. Yeah. Um, like you see like the swarms and swarms going in there. And you're like, Oh boy, how are they going to deal with this one? Uh, yeah, I thought that's what his purpose was going to be. He was going to be like, you know what, homies, you take care of this. I'm going to, I'm going to go take care of all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I am, I am surprised he wasn't utilized that way, but like, I, I like him in the movie. I like the interpretation of like him as this, released from the cocoon to early sovereign type uh baby i think like frankly one of the things i laughed at the hardest personally in the film is when and i saw it coming from a mile away was the um uh whatever she says that's like you know uh show him what what we're working with or show him what you're made of and so like he just eviscerates him <laughs> on the spot oh, yeah, she, yeah. And, and she's like that's not what i meant and he's like well you should have been more specific he's he's better off <laughs> i i think will poulter has a fun energy i do just like it is it is something i'll say a lot about a lot of points in this movie that i'm just like i, I could have just had more yeah i could have just had more but undeniably one of my favorite shots in the movie and like especially timed with the music is when he's just in the distance coming straight forward yeah. at the camera i'm like this is a great shot this black, is just a good, Adam, just a good like coming right in i really loved it and you felt like the oh shit yeah I, he, he definitely feels powerful i really like um the effect of his flying um i mm -hmm. think that looks really really interesting um i really like his costume i think he, he looks very good um i was watching i was yeah. watching this and because you know guardians 2 has the scene has the fight between ego and peter when they're flying through the air um i was like man Superman legacy about to look real good guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think he's, I think he looks very good in the movie. I, I really, I really like that whole first action scene with him, like the, the fight between him and Nebula and, and Drax and Groot and all that. Yeah. I think that all plays really, really well. Yeah. Nebula's got a Krakoan arm. She can just turn it into things. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I like, I like her arm a lot. Um, so yeah, the, those are my feelings on Adam Warlock. I, I I liked what Will Poulter did. I I agree with this general sentiment that like Needed wanted more. more with him, but but I'm glad he was here nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked the flashback sequences and how they were incorporated into the movie, and they really helped because Rocket is off the table for a lot of this movie, which I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, he's technically on a table. Uh, I was gonna <laughs> say, beat me by one second, damn it. Um, and he, um, and be because of, and, and I think the flashbacks help um, keep Rocket uh, as a present character in the movie. Um, that that was really effective for me, um, and probably responsible for three of my five cries. I think that's uh, also true. There is one where, like, I just think. And I, I, I only saw the film once, so I don't know how to fix this. But, like, I, I just think it's ill-placed in the film. Like, just when it happens. And it's when... Um, it's the big one. It's the one where, where Rocket loses all his friends. Yeah. Um, which is super emotional and everything. But that's a longer sequence. And it kicks off when Quill is approaching the High Evolutionary. And then we come back from it back to Quill approaching the High Evolutionary. And I'm like, I... This 
just feels like it's in a weird spot. I would um I would argue that the reason why that's there, it's um to show like how I mean, obviously we know the high evolutionary is a bad guy. We we know like how the him I feel that that scene is there. It's just so us as an audience has more of a more of an anger towards the high evolutionary and how more we want Peter to kick his ass. No, absolutely. But the thing is, like, I, I guess to me, like, in the film language of what's driving the scene, right, is Peter Quill walking in. It's his it's his initiation. It's, it's uh, sorry, it's his initiative. It's his uh, moment of him going to the high evolutionary. Like, he's going to spring the evolutionary's trap on purpose. And so, like, flashing back and then coming back to Quill, like... It's it's not like the the film is reflecting on the high evolutionaries moment. A lot of the other moments they are like almost like rockets thinking about it. We usually see him on the table before yeah. we go into a flashback. So it's like these things are somewhat connected. Like there's a there's a, a logical like thematic bridge of why we're going there. And that one I felt like maybe we should have just been in one of the scenes where were, it's just with like the high evolutionary talking to some of the scientists or something and then gone into it. Uh, rather than like the motivating movement of the scene being Quill entering the fray because Quill has nothing to do with that scene and largely doesn't know the information of that scene. At least we have to is suspect because like he does know like everything the evolutionary did to Rocket as far as like experimentation, but we have no reason to believe he knows that specific sequence of events where he took out his friends. So Quill's not motivated by that specific flashback. So it's a little weird it's just for, for him to be our character bringing us into that moment. And again, because it's the lengthier flashback, it also like cuts up that scene in a weird way. So like there, there's just something about the pacing of where it's placed that's a little off. Like genuinely when we came back out of it, because I was so emotionally wrapped up in that scene, because it's a great scene, uh, I had to kind of go, oh, right. Quill's coming to talk to the high evolutionary. That's, that's what, what I mean we're doing. about like, I, I respect and I love that he decided, okay, instead of having it be, you know, chronological, we're going to do like these flashbacks throughout like the first half of the movie. And I really like that. It's just like the coming out and coming in, the certain times that we come back into a scene, it doesn't, I'm not, you expect me to feel completely different like one second after you just like gutted my heart. And it's like, that's the only one where I'm just like, something's, something's jarring here. There's one specific one. It's not, sorry, it's not a, a tonal thing. It's an editing thing. And I, it, it really caught me off guard. It's a great rocket scene happens. And then we cut back to the crew and it's a, like, it's just like a stabbing shot on them. And then it's a quick cut and they're just running. And it felt like very, like a very quick, like a TV edit. Uh, it was very jarring. I, I'm surprised you didn't notice it. It was very like, I, it, it was very quick and it felt very jarring. I don't know how else to put it, but it was like very, like we're, we're here and it's just like sure. this. And I'm like, that was, I'm, I'm, it took me out for half a second. Um, but besides like that, like I think it's done really well. Like interplacing all the different all the different flashbacks is really great. I love all those characters. There's, yeah, I um no, we don't need to see a Disney Plus show. I like really, that. I really no, love those flashbacks. Um because you know, we knew like we it, look, if you're us, you knew that Lila was already an important character to Rocket because there's the Easter egg and in in uh his um well, he was arrested by the, by the by the Star Force, Nova Force, <laughs> Rashi, um, and uh, Lila um, is named there. And so, so when you when we finally get to meet Lila, um, it's very emotional. Oops. It's okay. Sorry, um, it's very emotional and very um, very good. Um, and throughout those flashbacks, as we're learning about uh, these 
uh, Floor and Tiefs and Lila and how they all kind of were friends and seeing this very different, very innocent version of Rocket, it's very emotional. And, and when we get to the the payoff, which is that all three of them were, were choking up a little bit, um, were killed. Um, it, it's 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 absolutely one hundred percent devastating. Um, and I I, uh, I I I I was surprised at just how I knew this was going to be an emotional movie. I didn't know it was going to be this emotional. Like this is this is a hard movie to watch sometimes. Yeah, it's. I mean. We all love animals. Like, you know, it's one thing seeing, like, somebody get killed in, like, a John Wick movie, but, like, animals, yeah. they're, they're different. They're a little more innocent. And then when you give animals, like, sentience, uh, it makes it doubly worse, because then they're people and they're yeah. animals. Um, so, yeah, man, like, it's it, it's almost like it, it's almost like manipulation. It's because, mm. like, you know, like, it is it is manipulation. Like, yeah. I, I have some people, there have been a lot of people online, I'm not one of them. I, I, I think this is fine, but, like, saying that this movie goes a little too far, for for you know trying to be you know this is a marvel movie do we really need to see these animals get like butchered like this and i'm like if you want the trauma of what rocket's going through to like to like mean and mean something and like to show that like this is what he went through like mm -hmm. sometimes you have to see these things like again like kids movies from the 80s you know those movies are pg but they're doing like horrific shit right uh, they're killing kids in some of those movies right so like sometimes kids like and it's just a PG-13 movie. Don't bring a child to this movie in the first place. That's another conversation <laughs> to have. Uh, I don't think this movie is too grim or anything. I think it is like, this is the situation. Like, yo, man, he didn't care about the kids that he was raising. And like, they're just experiments to him. And like, whether it's animals or children, like, you know, being a bad parent is transcends everything. Being a bad owner transcends everything. Um, yeah. I do think um, just to the point of all that, like, I think it's the right kind of like, I, I don't feel I know when a movie is like doing it and like I think it's egregious and unnecessary and like it doesn't fulfill a plot to like hurt animals yeah. to get you. Um, and I don't feel that way about this. Like I think it is trying to give you the emotionality of what Rocket has been through and it delivers. And the fact that people have strong responses to it is because like it's effective. It's not just effective because it's like animals and, and like very sweet looking animals who have been put through hell, but also because it's yeah, rocket it, it, and pays off at the end, at the end of the movie, when rocket says we have to save them all. We did. No, we have to save them all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's all that that's, that's really, really good. So um, I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I, I think, I think, really, I think really this strong. movie has great personal stakes. Um, the fact that they decided not to do a kind of world ending stakes of ego and, uh, Ronan and, and really take it down to a personal level. Like I was really surprised that the movie was about just as the movie is just about saving rocket. Right. Well, and like they have their cake yeah. and eat it too. Right. Because like it, it, that's right. It is about saving rocket. That's the guardian's mission is we, we have to save rocket, but it puts them on, on the collision course with the high evolutionary who we watch destroy a planet of sentient sweet beings. Yeah and has children on his ship. So like there are greater stakes. They're just not the stakes that we're driving our, our uh, initial, initial action to take place. Um, they're not our inciting incident, but they are there. So like, it's a good way to like keep everything feeling really, really personal for the guardians, but also get to like, there are some big ramifications of what mm -hmm. they're dealing with. Um, it's just personal for them, which I thought was a really good way to do it because like, it does bother them that like, and it should because they're the guardians. Like it does bother them that he destroys this planet yeah. of peaceful beings. Um, specifically, that planet is Counter Earth, which 
fun way to fun right. way to to bring that in. I there are sometimes where I'm like I don't get how why James Gunn adapted something the way they did, and there are some where I'm like this is actually a really interesting and unique way to bring in this this thing. Counter Earth is not something that the MCU is probably ever going to use. Um, so using it right. in this yeah. in this course in this situation and in this story made a lot of sense and created something really interesting. Um, so I really I really appreciated that. Yeah, and like and and the fact that it's still serving like purpose to Rocket's larger story too, right? Because in a in a not Rocket's fault sense, but like all of those beings on that planet exist yeah. because of him. Good point. Yeah, like they're all functionally there, living their lives because of him. And the high evolution, it, it shows the like ferocious, absolute apathy that the high evolutionary has for living creatures uh, to have seen the journey of creating this whole society of counter earth and being like, but I can just etch a sketch that away and it doesn't bother me. It's also, it is, it is funny that like, he was on the on the verge or trying to make like the perfect society, but he just made like 1980s New York where right. you just have like crack dealers. Right, and... which bothers which bothers him <laughs> clearly. Like the I like the way Quill digs into him with that and uh and that bothers him. But like that he is a character who like he could have just walked away and done more experiments elsewhere. Yeah. And left the planet as was. But he's too petty for that. Um, he views like he views makes, like those things as inferior. It's like, oh, they shouldn't even exist. I it, have to destroy it. It makes him a really strong villain because of the way, and like a very strong like b again because of the through line with Rocket antagonist to what Rocket has been through and like the weight of what Rocket means in terms of the story. He has a good line that's like uh, somebody's like, oh my god, and he's like, there is no god. That's yeah. why I stepped up. And right. I'm like, nah, you, um, you bad. You're right. Speaking of uh, Counter Earth and its residents, the uh, uh, makeup. Uh, prosthetic effects uh, look incredible in this movie. Just all they really do, just um, all across the board. Oh yeah, it pays off really well. I I really am glad they went that route. Also, I do want to highlight um, James Gunn uh, has talked about like he went out of his way to make sure that all the flashback sequence stuff with Rocket with Lila, like all of them, because he knew that was going to be so much heavy CGI work. Those were the first things they filmed to make sure that they gave the visual effects artists the time they needed to make it work. Look at that smart like, filmmaker. Like, that's just that's just really thoughtful consideration, and I only highlight that so much because, like, A, obviously it pays off, it looks incredible in this film, but B, because he's about to be this person who's spearheading that entire cinematic universe over at DC, and, like, it's that kind of thoughtfulness and consideration for the entire crew that's going to make them yeah. successful. Fun fact about the, the practical effects in this movie. Um, this has the most... Uh, people in makeup and wigs and like special effects out of any movie, it beat <clears throat> Tim Burton's wow. Planet of the Apes, which, nice. which was the original. We spent so much money; they spent like millions of dollars on just people looking like apes. This movie also did that with with animal people. That bat lady, man, she looks yeah. so good. She does. That, that's a good looking bat family. I'm really, I'm really glad that they finally found a way to get Batman <laughs> into the movie. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, War Pig. Oh yeah, yeah. You know who War Pig is, guys? It's Judy Greer. Is it really? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I looked it up afterwards. I didn't know during the movie, but I'm that's like, so funny. That's, that's a fun. Wait, who's Judy Greer? I have to tell my War Pig. War Pig, the giant pig mech that like. That's Judy Greer. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, Miley Cyrus was replaced by Tara Strong for oh, what's that guy's name? Robot. I forgot his name. I don't remember. I I was kind of bummed out. I love Tara Strong, but I wish I kind of got <laughs> the original. Because um, uh, we get a little bit more of the Ravagers uh, of the like. The original Guardians team, essentially, um, 
who form the Ravager captains. We get more of them in this movie. Um, I really like seeing Stallone in like that full Starhawk. Not Starhawk. Mm-hmm. What's that guy's name? I've, I've... Oh, Starhawk, yeah, because Dark. Oh yeah, Dark Starhawk. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking about Darkhawk for a second. Yeah, Starhawk. Um, when he's in this, and he's in space, and he's got the cosmic energy, and I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it was one of those things after two where I was like, I really hope we get to see those guys again. So like the way that they were brought back around in this, I really oh, liked. I really when they really enjoyed when it. they when they um when they come in and and the snake dude the snake sorcerer is like making the is like making the portals. That looks so cool. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, Ving Rhames because he was there. he was in the original, yeah the second sure. one. Yeah, that's that's a shame. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Like I also didn't think. I figured they would have showed up in this last movie as like a cameo or something, but then to be like, no, like we're going to be like, well, here's everybody. We're just in the movie for a second. I'm like, that's cool, man. Nathan Fillion's in this movie. Yeah, he plays a, <laughs> uh, wasn't going to get Wonder Man, so James Gunn had yeah. to make sure he got a good, yeah. good showing. Plays this time out. A rude prison guard on an organic. I really, world. I really love the line is like, this is my, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the president's son. I'm working. I was like, I got one of them too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got one of those. And it keeps doing it to multiple crazy. people. Yeah, like, this yeah, guy I sucks. I got one of those guys. I get it. it. And the guy is just like, oh, yeah. Um, that whole organic world was gross, and like some of it was practical. And look, like that door opens up, and it's like that's a flesh door. Man. Got got a shout yeah. out, loving uh, Daniela Melchior making a cameo. Oh, um, she digs me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was her. That is her. Yeah, Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher um, too. Then. Oh. Suicide Squad. She is the she is the girl uh, that they take uh, hostage. Oh, that Quill's trying to charm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really love Mantis like making the other guy fall in love with Drax, and Drax like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. He's like, wow, <laughs> I'm where, waiting. Where are you going today? And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, what's your name again? Drax the Destroyer. God, it's such, such a beautiful name. <laughs> like, I, I love. Drax and Manus work so well. I'm so glad the ho- the holiday special exists because I think it just further deepens like their relationship for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you get this, you get the the whole history of like, oh man, like she does this. They they like pull pranks on each other. There's a very like brother sister relationship to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just love how they're walking away and Drax looks over. It's like, why do you have to do this every time? She's like, because it's funny. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, uh, Gamora, she's part of the Ravagers. I, I like that. I think that's fun. I, man, it's a cool, it's a cool, t- okay, uh, because you're going down the road. I don't want to cut you off. So like, no, I'm just going to like, I think that's going to lead into what you're talking about. Like James Gunn, like he came into this movie with one of his main characters, not only being dead, but resurrected like 10 years in the past. So like, what do you do with that? And the easy thing could have been, oh, she falls in love with Peter. That's easy. But that's, she's not the same person as our Gamora. So the fact that they didn't end up together and it's like happy I loved it. I loved it. I'm glad they didn't force a romance because like, oh, destiny or whatever. Like, no, they're not the same people. Right. Uh, the the way that like he yes ands the fact that this Gamora, I really like when she has the line like, um, she's like, I never left Thanos. Like, she never had the opportunity to make that choice. Yeah. That that was never real for her. So that's not her history, and that fundamentally changes who she becomes because of that. Like, she follow has to follow a different path of like finding who she is now and the fact that he like followed that through in a logical way where it's like yeah gamora would would make different choices and find a different path uh rather than just like no of course she would always like reset back to like what you would expect um yeah it's it's bold it's a bold choice and it pays off really well honestly a moment go ahead ben what that's actually one of the reasons why i love this movie is that you would think oh they're just gonna get back together it's the growing pains of them falling in love all over again and the fact that they don't 
and Gamora says, I'm not her. I'm completely different. And she does she doesn't have like she has a respect for Peter, but it doesn't turn into like a full, oh, I'm in love with this person sort of thing. And also one of the things I love about this movie is how Wait, How, are you going to go away from the Gamora and Peter thing? No, no, no. no I'm still. I'm going to stick. I was just. I had another point. And I lost it. But I just love how I really love how you think you think it's going to go the way it is. It's like you know, boy and girl fall in love with each other. Girl gets amnesia, or one person gets amnesia. They have to fall in love, fall in love with each other all over again. It's the same song dance we've been through a billion and a half times. But the fact that they don't is like no. There's maybe one instance in the whole movie where there's maybe a romantic connection between the two of them one of but the then things they don't jump they don't explore about it and it's like they go live their separate lives and i kind of like that one of the things that i that someone pointed out that i kind of think is interesting is that um four i believe of the mcu of the mcu films post endgame have been about breakups and how do you move on and um and I find that so interesting and I really like how it's handled here um, because it is, it is framed as a, it's framed as a breakup, even though it's not um, like uh, Gamora was taken from Peter and Peter is, is, is kind of, there's this moment when they're breaking into the flesh to the flesh science place. I forgot the place it's called. Um, and they like, Peter thinks he mutes his mic and he's talking to her and he, and he says, I, <clears throat> I'm a mess. I miss you. Like he, he is taking on, he's taking on the, that the, Thanos did that because he couldn't kill her. He is taking that on. He's taking on the, the fact that, that their relationship was cut short. Essentially they did not run its course. And he is, and he is, I like that. It's not constantly played as if he's this love, lorn, love, sick puppy dog who will follow Gamora no matter what he is. he, is emotionally compromised but in a way that also respects gamora like he's just like we i miss us it's i think there's a really interesting thing gun does with the language of like certain characters are in different camps about this in the guardians team right like some will say gamora died and some will say gamora just forgot Mm -hmm. and like it like drax and quill say like no she just forgot the past decade you know like and that's not true they're not accepting it there that is a that is a you know narrative that they want to exist in um but it's not real like their gamora died like and and some are living with that reality and some aren't um and i i think that that's very effective um and it's it's really really cool that he made a decision to not only not put gamora and peter back on the same path again but instead uh not even like even though he he jokes and flirts with the idea of like peter and nebula because of the the gag about it like we saw in the trailer but like the real important thing is the challenging of like peter like what 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 are you chasing like yes you had something great with gamora but like what are what are you running from now it's it's also a really great line that gamora throws at him like what are you so afraid of in yourself Mm -hmm. that you have to use me uh as the thing to save you and like it, it the where it all like leads peter to i think is really really strong yeah. oh yeah mantis um, mantis is like the lily pad thing that she makes drax say to him i think is really effective yeah. like you know you're you're not learning to swim on your own um mantis i want to say very good in this movie yeah right and like this is also a good time to highlight like the holiday special like i i feel the holiday special is essential viewing i don't feel like it is just like Oh yeah, you can you get like 
yes, you can watch this movie and not watch that. But like, I think you are missing something about how this Guardians family has reshaped itself post Endgame without the holiday special. I'm so grateful that Gunn was able to do that, that like they got to tell that story because like, I'm glad that the story isn't just Peter has been a drunk since Endgame. Yeah. Because that like, that's not the story. It's just like, things are just getting harder as time goes on. Yeah. And like that you're not dealing with your grief and that you get that clearly because of the holiday special. Um, like, you know what their lives on nowhere have been like to an extent and you understand like where they've been at, like kind of rebuilding themselves. But now there's kind of been like some time to settle into living in nowhere. And that's allowed Peter to get more depressed about what, what things are. Um, I think that's, that's really strong and that's important and effective storytelling. And also of course, building the foundation of like Mantis and Peter in that movie. Like it's, it's paid off so well here by knowing that they found that connection in each other yeah. in that story and it, how important that was to Mantis. It is funny. If you didn't watch the special, there's just like one line of like, yeah, Mantis, <laughs> you know, my sister. And then it's like, that's like, that's, that's it. And I'm like, yeah. that's funny. I, I think it that. does actually come up three times because there's like the time where when, when he's drunk, it's like Nebula says like, you go deal with him. He's your brother. Mm, sure, um, sure, and yeah. then, and then her talking about like, I need you to do this because like nobody listens to me. And, and like, even though I'm his sister, gotcha. Good and, um, yeah, like like we're family, but we're not the same. Like you left somebody on Earth. That whole idea. So it's, love, it's like I, it's yeah. present enough, but like it's definitely reinforced better by having the holiday special knowledge and like honestly, just more times with the Guardians. Is, yeah, I is always. Great. I love the idea of like like the Guardians movie being about found family, but also like as long as like your relationships are good, like don't forget your real family. Yeah, like yeah. your grandpa didn't do anything wrong. If he loved you, <clears throat> I think I might have just thought. Um, hi, Mint. Uh, my friend Mint is in the chat. Um, uh, if it, I just thought maybe if one thing about the movie I could have used a little bit more of, maybe more of Mantis and Peter together. Um, I do think that, especially Mantis talking to Peter, like, go see your grandpa, go see your other family. But the revelation from the holiday special that Mantis and Peter are brother, are blood related brother and sister, I would like to see more of them go on, maybe not wacky adventures, but at least them talk more about their feelings together. Sure. Um, while Mantis does give a really good pep talk in the beginning of the movie, and that does drive Peter forward to seeing his grandfather at the end of the film, um, a lot of times, I think there was one time, I want to say it was on Counter Earth, where Peter says, Me and Nebula are going to go there, or Me and Groot are going to go there, you and Drax go there. And Mantis goes, But I want to go with you. I was like, Yeah, bring Mantis with you. Talk more. I could have used a little bit more of that. Um, sure. You bring up. Um... Uh, interesting conversation about how uh, mantis talks to quill about leaving his grandfather um on earth i really like that moment because kind of in a metatextual way it's james gunn acknowledging something that i really wanted him to acknowledge <clears throat> you know gunn has always stated why would quill want to go to earth why would he want to be on earth that's the place where his mother died he'd never want to go back to earth and i really like that i really like that the end of quill's arc is what is where it goes but specifically when Mantis and Quill are talking, Quill recounts the events that we've seen from volume one as he threw me out of the room and yelled at me when my mother died. He did He got rid of me. He didn't want me. That's not what we saw, but that's what he remembers. And I really like how they frame that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because his, his memory is rewritten. Yeah. Like of uh based on like the fear and pain he was in at the time so like he's changed his own conception of like and you know that's not an accident on gun's part like that's on purpose that it doesn't line up with what we saw that is like 
<laughs> for for film purposes objective truth right like of of what actually happened um peter's memory of it is all broken up because like that was a traumatic moment and like he's so far removed from it as a childhood memory like he's thought about it over and over and changed what it was because in some ways it's easier to not be able to go home if you know you're not wanted there yeah um and which makes it all the more powerful that his arc ends with him going to see his grandfather yeah, I think that's really good. Um, yeah, I I love that moment. I love that moment so much. Uh, I I was a, a mess. Oh, by the way, uh, his real quickly, his grandfather, Jason Jason Quill. Mm-hmm. I like, that's funny. I think that's that's cute. Nice way to bring yeah, in Jason. Yeah. Mm. Um. Man, I love Drax in this movie. I love him in all the movies, but like, I love that. Like, he's not as quite as funny as he is in the second one. They've toned him down a little bit. Um. But they replaced that. With just so much more emotion. Not that he was yeah. lacking it, but like this is my probably my favorite Drax movie, um, and I just absolutely love the stuff of him and the kids. And like, the, I think my favorite line in the movie is like, "You weren't meant to be a destroyer. You were meant to be a father." <sighs> made, oh, oh my god! That made me. I started that. crying for real. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Damn it!" This is the second Guardians property that made me cry about with Drax because that game also makes me cry because Drax is so good in that game. So uh, phenomenal stuff. I love how you still get great Drax smokes. Like when he, when you hear like when Nebula is getting frustrated with the kids and all they're saying is jub jub. And then Drax is speaking their language and they look at, and cause you hear Mantis go, this language isn't my translator. I don't know what they're saying. And then Drax speaks to them. He's like, Oh yeah, I wanted them to stay away from the star of wall. And Nebula's like, how come you didn't tell us that you knew I speak? He's like, you didn't ask. I really it's love, just like, it, I really love what Ben's talking about because like it, you know, it's, it speaks to you know, what Ryan Ben talking about specifically. Like it speaks to that Drax has um, a, a much more emotional arc in this film, I believe um, than in volume two. Not that it's not, not that he's not good in two. It's just that yeah. in, in here there's a, there's a genuine sadness to him that, that his, that his friends don't value him. Um, they call him an idiot. They call him just the muscle, but there is more to him and he wants to prove that. And he gets to, through these kids, becomes like a surrogate father to these children. Um, I really, I, I found that really, really emotionally challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like when Nebula says what you said, which is, you know, like the, I, I see who you really are, that you weren't meant to be a destroyer. You're meant to be a dad. Um, is really effective and everything. I also really love the scene where Nebula is shouting at him and Mantis is challenging it. And she's like, so what if he's, you know, stupid? So what about that? Like, he loves us. Yeah. And he always supports us. And like the way Mantis gets emotional about it also made me emotional. Do you really um, think and I'm like, stupid? And like, as yes. this brother sister thing, and like, and it, it, it almost would be like a cheap moment to make him forget, but like, it's, it's in in some ways a blessing because like you can't get around that like Drax has made decisions that have put them at risk and are not sensible, but it doesn't change the fact that he's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Mag in the comments, uh, wish we get to know why Drax was a parent or his life before Ronan and Thanos. We get, we, we get enough of that. I think, I think we get enough of it because like he, his whole, his species was wiped out by Ronan sent by Thanos. Um, and he was well, at least his family um and we he talks about his family in both films uh to to length so i i I remember his engorged his engorged like whatever sort of his life you know yeah my my father used to tell me my nether regions becoming engorged my father used to tell me the story of how they made me when i went to sleep every winter solstice (laughs) Uh, Uh, yeah drax drax is really good in this film i 
uh again i will highlight like i i could have i would have just like i like everything this film is doing because it is like and i think very well and i would never say like oh james gunn made the wrong decision in making the film the length that it is or anything like that but because he is juggling like really rounding out character arcs on every single character in this film uh it does make me kind of go like oh man i would have watched like the four hour version of this yeah, oh, yeah. um, um uh, so, sorry um were you done go ahead okay no i, I want to talk because we're talking about the relationship between uh, mantis and drax and another relationship i did want to talk about even though we don't see it a whole lot but some but it's a relationship that i think has grown quite a bit since infinity war and endgame is nebula and rocket even though they don't get a lot of chance together i love how hard nebula is willing to go for rocket which one of a great one of the great moments is when rocket wakes up when he when he's when he wakes up because he was he's been healed and he says where's nebula Mm -hmm. and that to me that's just i mean it's one of those great things it's one of the times where a movie doesn't show us they don't tell us and we've and the audience has to figure it out for themselves on how close rocket and nebula had become in the five years like you see like when they when rock when nebula and tony land on earth in endgame and rocket just goes and holds her hand and it's like this is we're all that's left of the guardians and they be and they become so close and if there's this line that nebula gives it's like when she blocks i want to say she blocks um gamora punching mm-hmm. or it was, it was either gamora or or someone it's gamora yeah where she blocks gamora and says the road uh, it's like the rona gave me a few upgrades like she's like haha look how stronger i am but also she's like that's my friend f you i'm helping him it, it's essentially like it's shit or get off the can sort of thing i love that like well because gamora comes back just real quick yeah. gamora comes back with the like you'll drop me off because i'm family and she's like so is he mm-hmm. uh yeah end of discussion i love that nebula uh clearly loves these people but is still like kind of scared to show it so she's kind of like yondu where she still will yell at them be mean to them but like you know that the like that hard exterior has like a nice coating inside like i love that like at the end of the movie it's just like again like i was so surprised like i knew it was probably gonna have some type of happy ending but the fact that no character died in this movie and everybody gets a happy ending was kind of surprising because that's not general that's like that's not i didn't expect that with a james gunn movie and like because that's a guy he like he, I, he I, again i watch every interview that i can when these movies come out but he's like i am a guy known for killing characters when it makes sense of the story and for my finale i thought it should be a happy ending Quite. Uh, i was like that's fantastic i, I love it i don't know if we're ready to talk about the ending just yet because i do want to deep dive deeper into more of that but um i do want to talk about more about that i don't know if we have other stuff we want to talk about first but i've got a couple things to talk about there's before. still there's still some yeah. other things i'd like to yeah. cover beforehand um, yeah. um we haven't we haven't like praised and i and he certainly deserves it jacuti Uji as uh the high evolutionary yeah. oh um, yeah his performance is incredible uh i really really love him it's it's really great to have a scene chewing villain mm-hmm. who just like pure evil doesn't in i'm not gonna say enjoys being evil because like to his mind that's not what it is but he really loves his work which is evil yes um and like having him just so obsessed and like he 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 plays that so well he plays this obsession yeah so very well um and his his many multitudes of like his rage 
his um, pompousness. Uh, it's it's all really, really well put on display. I think he's very well written. The compassion I, when Rocket does something good and like when, like when you when you are like a captive of someone, like you get Stockholm syndrome. So when you do something good, like you're happy that they're happy for you. Yeah. So like when Rocket does something nice, he's like, oh, good job, B one nine two three whatever, and Rocket's happy about it when he when he shouldn't because he's still <clears> this guy's captive. But like he pleased his master, and his master's so happy, and I'm like. Oh, it's just what a what a great vile person. I think he's my favorite villain of the trilogy. Like I oh, yeah. I, I I really love Kurt Russell's ego, but like half the time he's kind of playing playing like the nice guy yeah. kind of thing. And I kind of love just like the full commitment to a real just like I'm a piece of shit. I agree. I'm I'm very straightforward with what I want and what I care about. And what I care about is things that are heinous. Uh, villain, and I think that that's delivered through his performance so well. So, um, High Evolutionary uh, reminded me a little bit of what you were talking about before with um, how it feels like the High Evolutionary um, is a more prevalent threat because you made the Sovereign that we were dealing with in the second film. Um, I think that's really interesting because I wanted to mention that that. Uh, that he feels like an, an inevitability. He feels like no matter wherever, like maybe James Gunn had the idea or not from the moment we meet rocket and he's got his shirt off when he's in the prison from that moment, it feels like the high evolutionary was always coming. He was always yep. going to, he is inevitable. Um, and I, and it's very difficult to make a trilogy of movies with kind of a villain that harkens back to all it's, it was always me to make it fit well, to make that puzzle piece kind of go in smoothly. And I think it works incredibly well for guardians. It always feels like when rocket is talking about his origins, when he's drunk, when he is talking, when Yondu is yelling at him, it always feels like it was the high evolutionary. Yeah, and this is the type of thing where, like, I don't think, like, you can start a trilogy with this movie. Like, I don't think you can start, like, we need to know Rocket for this long and know who he is and only have, like, the the semblance of what his true origin is. I think if we would have started with this, like, it started super grim, I don't think we could have worked up to something that this is this impactful. You know what right. I mean? Like, having, having known, starting, having known Rocket from the beginning, he's already this person and seeing the trauma he's went through. We just have to, we just have to like guess what he went through. It looks pretty rough, right? He's a raccoon who got turned into a, a cyborg killer. Uh, waiting to see it like almost 10 years later, that's going to make watching this, watching the trilogy in reflection so much more powerful because now we do know his origin and we didn't get it from the beginning. So like, it just feels like a perfect way to end the movie is, 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 is with the start of your most important character. Uh, and it's just really cool that like, this is a big movie with like relatively low stakes. Again, like uh, James Gunn said, like I did not want to do another ego. Like I love my movie, but I could not destroy the universe again. You do that ten times in a row, your audience doesn't care anymore. Uh, so he's like, I needed to go back to Rocket because he's, you know, this will be my last Guardians movie. So like, he needed to fulfill the personal journey as opposed to the giant journey. And it's kind of what what what's so interesting about what you just said is that like, it wasn't until after Volume Two. Did James Gunn like really start talking about how he related to Rocket, how Rocket was always his favorite guardian and things like that? Um, he had mentioned it prior, I believe, but not to the extent that he started to really after volume two. And like that was always something I picked up on because I really like Rocket from the first movie. He was my favorite character coming out of that first movie. I was I really related to that character to him. And I always was like, wow, I can't believe the character I relate most to is the raccoon. But like it really it, it you really see it that rocket is is 
the character, which is why in this movie, this is the lines like it was always your story. You just didn't realize it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really like that moment. That was another moment when I cried when he sees Lila in the afterlife. Um, just like wild movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there is maybe the best action scene in the MCU in this movie. Mm-hmm. The hallway scene. And I, I heard the hyperbole online. I'm like, ah, you guys love to talk, talk big about every single movie. And then I saw that scene. I'm like, every movie likes to have a one or these days. This one's, this one's very good. Very good. <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, uh, the cuts are hidden pretty well. There's a lot of crazy things happening. Uh, it's all in a small space. So you're just like always moving around like, hot damn. You really organically feature each guardian. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, just incredible. I was like, oh man. Yeah. People weren't lying. It's like showing popcorn in my face. Loving it. Especially because like the movie is fairly light on like guardian on villain action. Um, yeah. There's a couple of, there's a couple of smaller action scenes before we get to the kind of big, like we're all together now. Let's go kick some ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I thought that was an interesting choice too. The, um, the Groot versus the Groot and Peter when they're just back to back killing all the people in the room oh. is Pulls out six guns. Awesome. Love that uh, scene. And and he, he does a swamp thing. He grows wings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's all. It's a trend these days. Fortnite. Groot, Groot with wings yeah. is in Fortnite or Swamp Thing? Groot, Groot flies in with yeah. those wings in Fortnite. I put cool. I put those wings on my Poison Ivy so she sprouts uh, uh, petals or, or you know, whatever. I it's thought like uh, the Fortnite the Fortnite folks are real happy with this one. Yeah, they <laughs> did good. This is age like oh. fine wine. <laughs> also, I just love how when Nebula, Drax, and Mantis are trying to get on the ship, you hear them like fly you out yeah, of the corner very, of the screen. They, they fly out. Good. There's a lot of really good there's a lot of really good overt and subtle comedy yeah. um, throughout the film. And that's a, that's a good subtle one. I love at the end, everyone's just like, I thought you were on the ship. No, I'm not on the ship. Where are you? Like a lot of this, like confusion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lot of, Everyone trying to oh. predict the other's like bad plans. Yes. And, and then when they, and then when, when rocket wakes up and they hear rocket's voice, like Drax, Mantis and Nebula who aren't there, you just see their visual like happiness and like, Oh my God. Right, I was gonna say that's the thing that really like drives home the Nebula, yeah. the importance between Nebula and Rocket and the connection is is Nebula's reaction to it. Like immediately um, starts like because crying, of their five yeah. years, just being the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the <laughs> um, sorry, I lost my thought for a second. Uh, what I was gonna say about the Guardians film that I like so much is that there's a lot of good needle drops. Sure. Uh, I won't go through all of them; they're just good. They are. Good. Oh my god, the finale uh, being Florence and the Machines. Dog days are over. Yeah, I could not have picked like that is such an incredible song and such a beautiful, happy song. I I love it. I love that as a song choice. Um, friend of this podcast, Jeremy Bellucci, might not be as crazy about it when he sees it because he once described Florence and the Machine to me as an owl trapped in a wind chime shop. Um, <laughs> But I think it's pretty good. I love owls. <laughs> um, on a, I love owls, Jeremy. <laughs> on a uh, on a whole, I'll be honest, I wasn't too crazy about the needle drops in this movie. Um, I think I need to listen. I think I need to go through it again, though, and you know, like really listen to it independently of this movie. Overall, I like. I think I like the second film better. How how the second film incorporates music, um, but I, I there's nothing. I think it all fits for the narrative themes of the movie. What I love most, or one of the things I do love about how music is still very incorporative with the guardians. And also now that P 
Peter has a Zune and they're still using they're still using it. Um, one of the things I also do love is how broad the music is for the needle drops in this movie because with the first and second one you have a lot of um, 70s and early 80s hits nothing wrong fantastic songs but that's when peter was growing up that's when he was a kid so of course those songs or a lot of 70s heavy songs are very much because that's all he had access to and now that like he's listening to florence and machine or even the po- the first post credit scene where they're talking about um, oh they bring Bre- back come and get your love yeah well when they talk about like when when they're talking like the, the new guardians is like hey what about you he's like oh britney spears guard and then Craig was like, "Oh, hey, Garth Brooks has not made a bad song." It's like they expanded. Yeah, I do. I do really like that. Throughout all the movies, you see the Guardians. Um, they've all collectively just kind of started loving the music that Peter listens yeah. to. Like, there's the beginning of Infinity where we meet them, and they're all singing to Rubber Band Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really like that. That's kind of continued on and like comes to its zenith here, right? Like when everyone's dancing at the end, like they all oh, yeah. have, they all have I their moment. I think it's one of the smart things of like they all love music and like america like sorry american jesus earth music really means a lot um and i think the, it's one of the better moments with the high evolutionary where he's like well you know i made counter earth because like earth is so singular in the way that it's created art and culture there's just no other place like it in yeah. in the galaxy and i'm like that that's effective that works that's a good way to like center why earth is so special amongst the other planets is that like just art doesn't develop the same way uh, anywhere else yeah. earth is just unique that way mag <laughs> mag says in the comments one song choice that i'm happy with this this is the day mm. um uh creep creep opens it and rocket singing creep rocket singing like a lot in this movie which is fun again it's like like you just said uh, uh everyone of, loving music is a quill now one of my favorite things about bradley cooper's performance with that is that he's not singing every line no. like he just comes in and out you know uh, which is like how you really feel. Yeah. Like when you're sad, let's go sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bradley Cooper, because you brought it up, is incredible as always as Rocket Raccoon, and he really steps it up in this movie. He really meets this script where it where it's where it is. Um, For sure. I really I've always loved Bradley Cooper as Rocket. Um, so I'm I'm happy to get more. Um, but speaking on Kaiju music, group. Kaiju group's pretty good. I want to talk about I want to talk about music Gosh. real quickly one one last time. Um, which is that I wasn't crazy about the score this is one of this is my only other negative the, oh yeah oh me yeah, either yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah the, the overall score of this film is disappointing because i think the guardians films prior to this had had very good scores because uh, it's not the same composer. does yes. d- yeah does the guardians theme only show up once yes. with, with that twice. rocket scene yes twice twice That's there, crazy, there's yeah. twice and and the second time is when they're all taking all the 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 the, the kids in oh sure it's oh, a nowhere it's it. very brief that's crazy. So the yeah, Guardians I... theme. So the Guardians theme, real quickly, just to kind of get my thought out. Like the Guardians theme is very good. I really like that. Um, and uh, I've always liked it from the first film. And I think Tyler Bates, who is the composer for the first two films, is very good and composed one of the better MCU themes, especially at the time. Um, Look, I'll, I'll take it one step further and say that I think both one and two of the Guardian scores are two of the best scores in the entire MCU. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll 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 back you up on that. So this film is is composed by John Murphy, who was the composer for the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Um, oh, and the Guardians Holiday Special. And the Guardians Holiday Special. No one knows why Tyler Bates. I looked this up. Tyler Bates has not said why he didn't come back for three. There is no reason that James Gunn is given that he didn't come back for three. He says for some reason he did not return for three. And I think the film suffers from it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. do. Like, I, I I think that the scores for the first two films are very, very strong. And this one, like, 
kind of is just there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly, Brandon, I didn't even notice a score until the until that rocket with the Guardians theme pops Did up, I? and I'm like, oh yeah, there's music in this movie. Oh yeah, there's a Guardians theme that should be playing. Yeah. I yeah. I'm like halfway through the movie, and I'm like, oh yeah. I don't want to say the Neil drops completely took over my me enjoy me listening to music but now that i think about it there were wasn't a lot of parts where i was really trying to listen to the score of the movie or mostly the the needle drops kind of took over and the score was just like there i i i really like the guardians theme and there's a few places in this movie that i expected it that i expected it um the groot and peter back-to-back moment is is one of them like where i was like why isn't the guardians theme playing right now yeah even even like setting aside real quick like just the guardians seem like yes i thought it should have been in this movie more good lord should it have been it's one of the better themes in the mcu but also um tyler bass just was better i think at crafting a a lyric like a musically entertaining world that connected with the guardians that uh worked well around the needle drops like it, it blended in well and it fleshed out and gave a lot of character to the world of the guardians and this score is just kind of present yeah yeah if even that like i i'm kind of happy that we have so many needle drops because it means that, like we're not suffering from like just a complete lackluster score throughout yeah yeah um that's my final negative though so the rest is gonna be happy I have one last negative, so I'll get it out of the way. Um, I am all for Groot deciding not to kill the High Evolutionary. I have no problem with that. He's a freaking Garden of the Galaxy. It's not what he does. I do kind of wish we saw how he got his comeuppance, though. The fact that we just leave him and move on uh, and don't see him like perish with it all blowing up or something like that, like in the ruin of his own creation or again. something like that. It's not even about that. It's just like that is a character who I feel like I don't need my heroes to kill him, but I do need to see him like fall yeah, to yeah. the machinations of his own devices or something need, like uh, that. Like, uh, Amando I, season three. And he's a character who deserve like the, the audience does deserve for every horrible thing he does throughout the film. Like we do deserve the justice of seeing him get his final comeuppance, whether that is like even him getting arrested and delivered to the Nova Corps, which I know, I know, not there um but like whatever that equivalent would be like i don't care what it is but like the fact that we just leave it yeah at uh, rocket not killing him and then don't see him anymore that doesn't quite land right for me space jail take him to space jail take him to the space raft yeah um yeah yeah i kind of agree with that one i want to say also that i i want to say i i really like the use of rocket saying raccoon in this movie yes oh yeah the whole time the whole movie is like i'm not a raccoon i'm not a raccoon i'm not a raccoon and then when he sees the other raccoons in the cage that kind of like was like no i'm my name is rocket raccoon i think i think part of why it's so good with where they use is because like he says it to the high evolutionary it's like he's taking back something of himself that the high evolutionary kept all this time yeah Mm -hmm. Like he's retaking ownership of something the evolutionary had been keeping from him, and I and thought I, that was really good. And I really like that. That's kind of where you know he you know he sees how he he sees how he used to be. He he recognizes himself in these in these raccoon cubs, and and he uh, pups I think are called. Um, and that's kind of his moment where he's like, wait, we can't leave all these guys. Right, they have to come uh, with us. Also, a great action beat is everybody essentially um 
doing their own incredible Hulk, like smashing Loki into the floor on the high evolutionary. Like they just, they just, once they start on that, like crowd beat up action scene, they just don't let up. He does not yeah. get to breathe. They're just all taking their, their licks at him because they all hate him. And they yeah. rip his face off. Cause rocket ripped his face off. Even. Oh, what a oh. good looking effect. Ew. Yeah. Even Gamora, even Gamora like gets her, her licks in. Like this is, a, this is her fight too. Yeah. Also the, the makeup, because she watched the video too, like once they all have seen the, the screen of what, what Rocket was put through, they're all a little bit activated to be like, all right, this guy though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Worse than what Thanos did to me. Yeah. Right. Worse um, than what Thanos did to me. Yeah. Um, One, sorry, quick little side change I want to talk about before I forget. I love how when Gamora gets back with the Guardians and, and when she hears Groot just say, I am Groot, everyone else can understand him and she can't. And not until the end of the movie when she's when he says I am Groot, she's like, Oh shit, I understood you. I just love how it's still we still hear I am Groot, but the general feeling and the like we know what he's saying without him really saying it. And she there's, when she I love I that. love you guys. There's a sense there's a sense that um you know, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, what you do with your heart in this in, in both the second one film and this one. You know, Craglin sees uh Yondu remind him I I, uh, I good, good use of Yondu. Yeah, I agree. Um really great moment where it like is like I use my heart boy, what he told Quill. Um and uh you understand Groot not here but in here in your heart. Like that's how you understand Groot. And because because like she let him in. Uh mm -hmm. she loves him, she's part of the family uh she can understand him so and i think like what's what's valuable about that is like i kind of wish there i don't know how you do it because of just how groot and gamora are in this movie but like for groot gamora is a surrogate mom he lost so yeah. seeing that gamora is like that, that there's a level of what this means for groot and like you I think James Gunn does a very good job on all these character arcs. I think like, God, I just would have lived in like even doing more with all of it. Yeah. Like I just like all of it so much. I'm like, yeah, more, more. Um, <laughs> I got a fun fact about the, I love you guys from group. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn confirmed that that is because as an audience, we have spent enough time on group that we can understand his language now, which is what you and I suspected when yeah. we came out. So, so that is, that is, we now, we all speak group. So if group ever shows up again, he'll just be speaking normal like in the comics, which, which if i want but i mean that I, might necessarily I, be true it's just it just they could just go back to i am group yeah, yeah now that james gunn is gone fuck that guy right well because like you're being you're being let in on the family moment to hear that and like we're not going to be with all of that family anymore yeah. like we're going to be with with Philavel and adam warlock if we see Groot again so like yeah. you're not necessarily granted that insight uh i think it's an emotional moment that's meant to hit the way that I think it does. And mm -hmm. I do think like, I've seen people say like, oh, I wish I was telegraphed more. And I'm like, I think it's there in the sense that like, none of the guardians react to it. Like he said, I love you guys. Yeah. In a way that wasn't us. him saying I am. That's for the audience. They all act like he just said, I am Groot again. Yeah. It's, it's, you are hearing it. Yeah. Um, because you've been led. And I think James Gunn made a good choice with that. I think that's, that's clear and evident and very solid. Yeah. I, love mm -hmm. it. I, I really, I was going to bring that up also. I saw that too. I really, I really liked that moment. The, it it kind of, it did shock me, but like in a way I was like, Oh, that actually, that that's, that's very, very sweet. And also right. this last bit is just for me. Nebula turns into a badass version of Mega Man and base. Anyways, moving on. Um, <laughs> who would we, um, Cosmo is in this movie. I Cosmos in this movie. Oh, we almost forgot like one of the best recurring jokes of the bad dog. Oh. Say I am, say I'm not a bad dog. Oh my god, what the best CGI dog of all time? Oh my god, I love Cosmo. 
<laughs> say I'm a good dog, please. I, oh. I really... There's a lot of characters that James Gunn... James Gunn has changed a lot of the Guardians characters. Like, he 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 over, he almost overhauled them um, yeah. completely. And, you know, Cosmo could have been... But Cosmo felt the closest that a, a James Gunn adaptation has felt to me from the comics. Like, it just felt like Cosmo was mm-hmm. just popped off the, off the page. And I was really happy about that because I really like Cosmo. Sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think Rocket's pretty, pretty one-to-one, too. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I just seeing a talk uh, the telepathic dog is just always fun. What a yeah. good time! Oh, um, Kaiju, Kaiju Groot was really cool. Um, I really <laughs> like that. Uh, I like that they call that they yell out Kaiju and he just goes big. That's cool. How does he know what that word is? Yeah, the, because they talk. No, I'm just kidding. The um, because it's in the comments right now, and, and Sparks also brought up um, the post credit scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, introduces well the the ending of the film. The guardians are disbanding. The, the guardians, as we know it, are disbanding. Um, and we kind of thought, I kind of felt once Rocket was like out of commission for a lot of this movie, I was like, oh, there's, we're not killing Rocket. I did, they, they did yeah. get me. I did think they were going to kill, kill, kill Quill. I did too. There's a part uh, where every like, character, like you, they might die. There's <laughs> a part where, where for a moment I was like, yo, are we killing Drax right Yeah, here? me yeah. too. We get shot. Yeah. hundred percent. I thought that again, I thought this movie was going to be very different where it's like, okay, we're, we're going to kill multiple characters. That's because it's the end of the line who survives can maybe show up in the next Marvel thing, whatever. I'm not going to be here for it. The fact that he left everyone on the table is really, really nice. Mm. Like not everyone has to go out just because you're leaving. Like that's great. And he gave them all a really interesting, happy, sorry, Ben, real quick. He gave them all a really interesting, happy ending. You know, we already talked about how, how, you know, what Mantis has to Drax, but like Drax uh, becomes a surrogate father to these, to these uh, little kids that they rescued from the high evolutionary. Um, Nebula becomes like, she starts running nowhere um and rocket is made captain of the guardians of the galaxy to make his own team right um i really i really love i really love the 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 chest pound to rocket when they all call him captain is Mm -hmm. so good Mm -hmm. that that was emotional Uh, one of the things i want to praise this movie for because going into it i thought we were gonna lose a few members of the guardians and the fact that all the guardians not only made it out alive, but also they got really good endings for all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just like, this is, this is to me, this is something how you end it. Cause I feel, cause in my very, it's, I've only seen the movie once in the short time since I've seen this movie. And I'm think I thought about it. I kind of feel like killing a few of them off would have been the easy way out. Like yeah. obviously the, the emotional gut punch would have been there. There would have been like a, a it's everything's sad, we have to move on, or the guardians aren't disbanded, but there's something easy ways. Real quickly, Ben, there's something easy about killing a character mm-hmm. for an emotional weight. And a lot of a lot of writers do, and not to begrudge any any of them who do, but there's something yeah. a lot harder with making an ending where the characters don't die. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but when Tony Stark made the sacrifice play all the entire all of his movies in the Avengers films were leading up to Tony making that play uh, you know the the snap to say to beat Thanos that makes sense where uh, cuz you know it started and ended with Iron Man or at least in the in the terms of the MCU but yeah with the Guardians i felt like it would have been a really cheap not or not a cheap knockoff but a, it would have just felt a little cheap on how like say Drax Quill and Peter died because then hmm. Peter doesn't get his, um, he doesn't go back to Earth, which he does. He obviously does. Or Drax doesn't get a chance to be a surrogate dad, or even, um, 
or if like Rocket were to die, we don't get to see. I'm... Well, well, sure. Like the the main point is that Gun Gun would be willing to kill characters if he felt like there was a good story reason to do it. There just wasn't to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, why? What would be like if there was? I'm sure if he thought of something, we would all find it very effective. And like that was a really good way to like. I'm sure, I'm sure he could have done that. Like that's mm-hmm. how he felt when Groot died the first time. Right. So like. You know, or Yondu in the in the second mm-hmm. film. So like, I know he could do it. Yeah. But it's it's that he didn't feel like forcing it on himself just because like Dave Batista will never play Drax again doesn't mean that he had to like find the narrative reason if he didn't yeah. think there was one to kill Drax. That's just yeah. like this is like the narrative in your mind because like that's what most most regular people would do. But James Gunn is not most people, right? Um, like Marcus and McFeely would have killed Drax for oh, sure. 100%. Oh yeah. Um. There. So there's um. So the 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 so that all so Rocket kind of you know that kind of final dance dance sequence at the end when they're all dancing and nowhere um, oh Mantis goes off to discover herself with the three um, tentacle monsters oh the obelisks yeah the that's obelisk. fun this is like kind of like a full circle movie from like volume one volume two stuff too that's great. yeah yeah I, I love like when I like that. I love the 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 wave goodbye and then the whistle and then they all follow her I I love when she's like riding an obelisk over. She's like, "Go my babies, go my babies." Or when she said, uh, she gets up. I was like, "Did that look cool?" Oh yeah, that happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I go ahead, Spars. No, I was just gonna say I think that like the their goodbyes and farewells are all done really well in a sense where everyone's kind of getting a happy ending and like and like a, a bright future to go off towards, and it's still like you can get. I cried like I, but I cried out of happiness like yeah. for where the characters are. Oh my god, are at because like you yeah. can have that emotional response without having to be like sad about shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely like I I love like a good a good sad cry is great, <clears throat> but like when you can make me cry out of happiness, I and mean, it doesn't happen as often, but like when you can, like that's that's powerful, man. And that's this movie did it. Like I was crying in a finale, everyone dancing, greets a terrible dancer. I love it. So um, the end, of the the credit, the mid credit scene uh, introduces. Uh, what what could potentially be the next the next Guardians of the Galaxy team? Um, yeah. they can go with that or not. Um, but there's some really interesting moments there. Groot looks like his looks like his older comic book appearance, which was which was really cool. Yeah, um, um, I liked that. And they introduce as so Mag said in the comments they introduce Phyla, uh, Phyla Vel Moondragon, um, in a kind of roundabout way. One of the things that I was disappointed about. By making Drax uh, not human and um, have a have a murdered family was was that we would potentially never get Moon Dragon in the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just kind of erases uh, that whole character. I for a second like, and I know like Moon Dragon's like bald or whatever, but for a second I thought that's what they were doing with like, oh, like this adopted kid, like oh, it's gonna be Moon Dragon, but like it, it's Philovel and that's cool. It's like it, it, it why? Yeah. Why? Um, so, but like they 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 make they make Phyla a surrogate daughter for for Drax, not a biological daughter for Drax, um, and that's cool. I'm really happy that Phyla is is on the table now, um, yeah. honestly, because I like that character a lot, and um, uh, it's it's not without merit to say to say that it's a little weird that this is the third queer character that Marvel has cast as a child. Yeah, um, kind of interesting trend. Don't know how long it's going to continue. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, let's see if they even use Phyla at all. That's a good point. Um. Yeah, I really very like... very Thor Thor uh, Love and Thunder energy with this one too. Like, 
oh, we're bringing a kid into the group, which is fine. It's just like two movies did that. And I'm like, that's interesting. Um, but the, uh, so, so that, po- that mid credit scene was actually really confusing to me when we get to the very end of the movie, which is the legendary star Lord will return. Um, in big, in big letters. I really thought, and I kind of feel like it should have been the guardians of the galaxy will return. Well, maybe they don't know that right now, though. They only know they got Chris Pratt. <laughs> well, but yeah. that's but that's what I'm saying because like, even Chris Pratt has talked about he's probably he's probably doesn't want to come back if if Gunn's not not behind the wheel and like that's fu- that's fine. But for me, it kind of feels like the safer bet because like no matter what, like I I would buy that a version of the Guardians of the Galaxy would show up before Star Lord did. I don't know about that. He's on Earth now, so it's he a lot could get easier involved in any Earth thing. It's a lot easier for Chris Pratt to show up on Earth than to CGI a bunch of a bunch of people in space. Okay, well, in terms of just in terms of just Hollywood making making easy easy things. Okay, know? well I'm wrong, I guess. No, no, no I'm just, I'm, just they, I, I'm, I'm not saying the, you're wrong. I'm just saying the like, movie ends with the legendary Star Lord, which means like they've they had to have talked to chris pratt or something where they have an idea that Star-Lord that's not necessarily true yet. that's not necessarily true so the reason why i do bring it up is, is you know i'm i i don't want it i don't want this to be a whole thing um but like the thing that i that i'm rubbing up against with it is is it feels like what happened at the end of thor love and thunder where it says thor will return and chris hemsworth said i never said that yeah and mm-hmm. so it feels very much like oh we're saying this but for me again the safer bet sounded like a version of the guardians you could just say the guardians of the galaxy will return and it could be whoever it could be anyone i agree i don't know if the studio is thinking about the next guardians movie quickly is, is just what i'm saying so like maybe like they're thinking hey we can get something with chris pratt related faster than guardians so like people like you know i also like i have seen people online again i don't agree with them people don't like this team it is a brand new team. There's a little girl they've never met. You know, there's Adam Warlock, who some people don't like. So, like, a lot of people don't like this team. Nobody liked the so, Guardians like, I, either. In the beginning. I'm saying, like, yeah, like, I think it is weird. It, yeah, the Chris, the Chris, multiple Chris's, the Chris Hemsworth thing of, like, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to return. Like, that is weird. Um, but him being on Earth makes it seem like, yeah, Chris Pratt will show up in, in a cameo for something. Like, you know. I don't know. Bare minimum, like when Secret Wars stuff is popping off, he'll be there. So, like, oh, sure, I'm sure everyone's gonna sure. That's but I mean, like, yeah. but like he's right there. He's gonna be. He's gonna be literally right there yeah. on Earth with other folks. So, like, it's easy to incorporate his character. I think the other point of it is like not saying that the Guardians of the Galaxy will return because, like, in a sense, they won't, as you know them. So, like, yes, that team that we see in the post credits could show up, but like leaving the finality of like what this film feels like, regardless of the fact that we can see that team in the future, not leaving it hanging on like, Oh, what is like, not even like entertaining the like, so that means like Nebula could be like, obviously, yes, of course she could, but like not presenting it in a way where uh, it's, it's setting you up for that idea, but just letting it sit on. This was the end of this, this guardians of the galaxy story. And we don't need to put a like, asterisk or comma on that this is for for all intents and purposes in the moment the end of the guardians of the galaxy regardless of the fact that there's a team maybe just don't stop doing this thing where you're saying someone's going to return if you don't know if they're going to return that i would have been maybe just don't do that yeah we spent far longer on this than i think we should have okay um sorry well, no, I, I just want to okay. my two cents on it. No, you, you know, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you guys on the stream. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. The reason why I'm acting like this is because in the beginning, when I first said it, the both of you sounded very dismissive towards me and that whether or not that was your intent, that's how you sounded to me later. Sure. That got better, but that already put me in, in this mood. And I'm sorry about that. 
I'm I'm sorry, Brennan. I want you to know I my tone of voice might just sound like dismissive. I've never once been dismissive on purpose. So I'm sorry if it seemed that way. We are just having a conversation where sometimes opinions don't align. I I recognize your point. I just, I just didn't uh, feel the same rub about it. I think like just having the post credit scene of knowing that guardians team is out there. But that kind of bugs me because like, I didn't want to, it wasn't a rub to me. Like I don't want I didn't want you to think that it was. I feel really bad about that cuz like it wasn't it was just as it was just a a toss a tossed point that I kind of regret bringing up because it wasn't even worth two it wasn't even worth two more sentences in my thought. And and the and now it's become a whole thing and I I just I don't know. Like it shouldn't have become a whole thing. No, it's fine. Like it really is fine. Like I just I I I just was we talked about this too. Like this was something we talking about after yeah. the movie is like who do you think still on the table and at the end much like yeah i think everybody except for drax yeah. like like honestly like everybody's just, everybody's still on the table to appear like i just don't think like again like maybe having star lord be the one to say the return is not the best idea but like i i i there is a world where all these characters can come back and i just i just don't know if it's initially going to be a guardians thing uh I, I will say like to the point of just like talking about post credit scenes. I don't I don't mind like inherently what what the post credit scene about Quill is about, but I was just like this isn't a very good joke. No, it's not, it, wasn't, <laughs> like, it wasn't very funny. I just I thought it would be something a little bit more fun than what it was. Like just him eating cereal, and I got that with cereal. Con. I don't know. I kind of wanted like when when the I do like that like the the, the grandpa's like don't even get me started, and then Quill's all just like kind of do now i just wish that that had a little bit more of a punch to it after that rather yeah. than just like and see i just uh, like, i just I, I do like that like the the trilogy starts with like him and the grandpa and it kind of ends with him and the grandpa like i think that is that is to be honest with nice. you to be honest with you in terms of like i understand like thinking about how long audiences sit in the credits <clears throat> at this point but i probably would have flipped them like yeah. i would have gone oh, out yeah. on a high of uh the the last beat with the guardians team rather than like yeah. the kind of like of the star lord beat i would have i would have gone out on the high of the team and like you know who knows when we'll see them again but like they're out there we know they're doing stuff there's definitely a guy behind us who didn't like that post credit scene at the end he was like we waited for that yeah there was a bunch I, of people behind us who like i didn't give a shit what they yeah. thought <laughs> honestly i couldn't understand what peter was saying really oh at the Just, end yeah Mumbling? oh He's like saying, he's like saying, I mean, like, I'll go over and like do the lawn, but he's like 42 years old. Like, why is he just watching me mow the lawn for her? I talking about some neighbor mm. and like her son and that he's mowing the lawn and like the son is not helping. And he's like, it's just like, he can, he can get up, he can do something. And he's like, don't even get me started. Uh, the, um, do you know who the grandfather Kind of a nothing conversation. Do you know who the grandfather is, Sparks? Yeah, I forget the actor's name, but I know like from from the you're talking about the grandpa yeah from gilmore girls yeah yeah well yeah. not from gilmore he's girls he's also in I, like every other right, james gunn movie he's in the first one yeah. like i i i yes yes i he's the the boss man yeah. dad on uh gilmore girls yeah uh-huh. i will sp- uh oh real quickly sure. hey, no, real quickly on that on that Ooh. just one quick like note <laughs> um he's reading a paper and it's kevin and it's kevin um bacon kevin bacon uh, from talking about the events of the holiday special, that's awesome. No, I was actually that's I was going to mention that because I could while I couldn't understand what Peter was talking about to his grandpa when I closed it up, says like, "Oh, don't get me started." And you see the headline: Kevin Bacon abducted by aliens. I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey abduction!" Tells all. Yeah, 
Ben, did you have something in your ears? No. I just... Listen, we were at the same screening, right? Yeah, we were at the same screen. I'm I just... making sure. Maybe I want to get your ears checked, bro, because that's a lot later. I just couldn't understand what they were talking about. That's fine. Sure. Um, he was doing a little bit of mush mouth. Uh, but he was eating cereal, so it was, I'm sure it was mushy. Um, I do want to talk about, like, there's there's a sight gag we didn't really touch on that I just thought was very good. Be, like, I think it happens in three, so it's very funny. Um, Mantis just can't land not on her head. Oh, yeah, multiple <laughs> times breaking her neck. Oh, my God. And I thought it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Just every time there, it happened, she's... <laughs> there's the, 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 the one in the the jail cell. There's a crack. You hear a neck, you hear a neck crack. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. Oh. This whole the, the whole sequence here of her uh like just like oh <laughs> I feel like it's there just the right amount to like be funny, but they're not like it's not the focus of the scene. Yeah. yeah. Is like people aren't talking about it or like making points about it or jokes about it. Like she just is sloppy <laughs> in her landing and execution. She's just like Wee. um to that point. To, to the point of that also, like the neck cracking thing made me think of this, the hallway scene. Like the hallway scene is exceptional for a lot of reasons. Nebula in particular, where her head gets like bent backwards oh my and gosh. arm bent and she's still like fighting through everything. She quick reassembles. Ew. Nuts. Ew. Nuts. Uh, good year for No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I guess, yeah. Huh? Oh my God, Chris Pratt back to back. Yeah. So, anything else? I just... Like, I could I could probably talk about it for a lot longer because there's just like a lot to love about it, um, yeah. And get into, but uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm satisfied. I will. This is not a negative. I am happy that like this being the final like big space movie, like Guardians movie, like it didn't it didn't feel like it was over like overwhelmed with like cameos and like Easter eggs. Like there wasn't a lot of Easter eggs really, yeah. uh, and like that's not a bad thing. Like sometimes movies can just be movies. That's it's really nice. Like. Uh, it was just, oh yeah, I just I'm enjoying a thing. I'm not looking out for every every five seconds. That feels great. Something I do love a lot is Rocket being more important to Peter in this movie. Like how directly that comes across. Um, you know, in in defense of like the the second film, like it's only three months after the first film. This is years and years later, and like the way Peter feels about Rocket as his best friend, and I even like the bit about Drax being like second yeah. best friend. Um, oh yeah. The- <laughs> But I, but that, that, that like emotionality and like how desperate that's something that's really good about this movie. It's just like, I feel the desperation of the guardians to save rocket and it makes the film so, so tense. Like they're just on their back foot the whole time. And, and those personal stakes, and I feel like that's just, it's, it's very, very effective how they brought that out of the character interactions because of the story that he structures them around. Oh my gosh. Do you know how much time has passed between volume two and volume three? So a lot. It's 12 years. It's 12 years. It's yeah. 12 years. I can't believe that. Yeah. Man, and I mean we talked about it like when when Infinity War came out, like it was four years between uh Guardians Two and Infinity War, and like we meet the Guardians at a very different spot and then add the five year yeah. time jump and then add some time has passed since endgame. Marcus and McFeely do not know how to write these characters. No. I will I will say I do like their rocket. Um uh, I think their rocket is pretty good, but I don't like their Peter. Like at all. I don't I don't like their rocket as much in Infinity War when he's like directly interacting with Quill. 
there's something off in to me and in, in the way that they interact there and i think that's all the more pronounced to me like looking at this film about what their relationship is supposed right. to be the like the like captain challenging bullshit that they're doing in that movie that i'm like eh. well because what's so yeah. interesting is because like marcus and mcfeely were bouncing off of what guardians 2 was doing and so like it doesn't really feel like any time has passed between guardians 2 and infinity war they're still kind of in that sure. like competing captain place and i'm like that's just not there should have been some growth not... here right but like but then at the same time they have characters that are written like decently well to convey that like gamora and peter yeah. how far they've come in their relationship so like there are aspects of it but like there's also aspects of it missing yeah and to ryan's point real quickly just like it it's really nice that the guardians films the guardians films has always been really divorced from the mcu like they're they do feel like their own corner of the mcu and so you don't you don't expect to kind of go in with like a bunch of cameos and things like that like it's really nice that it's just capable of maintaining its corner and the only time it 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 encountered the other one is through a crossover um so and that that it just it's just nice that the trilogy because of that feels like a cohesive whole and man like james Gunn is again never made a bad movie but now that he's like spearheading like all of dc stuff man like i'm just i'm so excited for sure not just for his own projects but like the type of person he is overseeing everything else like we're we're in we're in such good hands for the next like decade over there yeah shall we final thoughts and rate yes because yes. i have to go to the bathroom again because i drink a lot so of water. <laughs> uh, i love this movie uh nine out of ten i think it's fantastic love it uh i yeah it's a, like this is the best mcu trilogy like one of the best like film trilogies like it's like i'm i'm so happy that i was going in expecting like gonna be a really sad like we're just gonna murder everyone because that's what i do and like no like it's we're gonna have a happy ending for everyone and like everyone's gonna get to have a great a great life and that makes me really happy so i'm giving it a nine out of ten i can hear you guys through the bathroom don't worry sparks rate it um, final thoughts? well hold on i'm gonna mute oh he, he muted him too he muted he was muted him um yeah. he muted himself there we go so, yeah. so ben why don't you final thoughts and rate it easy um 10 10 really? out of 10 oh yeah um even though i did have i think of some of the other negatives and the negatives you guys have are 100 percent valid it i might it this might be the same thing with uh the super mario brothers movie where my rating might change upon a second or a third viewing because i've only seen the film once but as of right now how hot i was coming out of that movie how much i think about now even we're talking with you guys about it i still say that the with the negatives that you guys have um or the negatives i have even inconsequential this movie is a fun th- thrill ride from beginning to end. It does give you a few good gun punches, does make you want to cry. I wanted to cry. I was like, I was like, especially the end when they were dancing to Florence and the Machine. I was like, I'm going to start crying. It just, the fact that everyone got a happy ending, the fact that um, the endings for the characters made sense, that felt good. It was just like a big cherry on top of an amazing intergalactic cake. 10 out of 10 best Marvel trilogy. Um, all right. Sparks. Yeah, I can go. Um, yeah, I, I'd also give it a 10 out of 10. Um, I, I hold it very close to volume two, if maybe not surpassing it. Um, and it's an excellent, excellent film, despite like, what I might say it most of my negatives revolve around just wanting more of what the movie's already giving me in greater loads, just because I'm selfish. <laughs> um, 
and I want more time with all the characters and I want more of these arcs fleshed out because they are so good. Uh, so for me, 10. Um, yeah. All right. Well, so like, look, it's exactly the movie I, I, I wanted it to be. I needed it to be. It's it's Rocket's movie. It is him, him in the forefront. And I love everything they're doing with Rocket and his arc. Um, I think it's beautiful. I was a, a, a wreck through a lot of this movie, just constantly crying. Even so, I will give it a 9.5. Um, for me, it is right up there with the second film. Um, it, it's it's very good. Um, I, I wish it was perfect, but I, like 9.5 is a damn good movie. Um, like I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with this trilogy. I'm happy with, with Rocket and I, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not perfect. Um, it's not a perfect movie, but it is for me a 10. Yeah. Still is. Shall we go into our book club then? All right, so we are going from Guardians to Guardians. Ben, take it away. So before we start, I have a question for you guys. Um, when you got to issues three, four, and five, were they like a completely different story or was it still the same Avengers arc? It's a different. Yes, this is. No, that's what. That's what this. This is a team up book. That's what their single issue anthology they're, stories. They're, okay. they're team up issues. Yeah, that's what this type of story. Okay. is. Yeah, so you have different writers and artists on these things. Yeah. Okay. It's an anthology. Okay. Good. So, because I started freaking. I'm so glad that you waited to ask us until it was too late to have changed it. <laughs> My book club is Guardians Team Up, which is written. Which the first two issues were written by by, by Brian Michael Bendis and a bunch of other writers, who's I'm trying to get the names for. But unfortunately, um, the website I have does not have them all up, so I apologize. Oh, I got Ben. You. We'll 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 help you. Go ahead and and talk through your stuff. Yeah. So essentially, like uh, Spark said earlier, uh, like we said, this is a uh, the first volume. Guardians Assembled is where the Guardians team up with a bunch of other superheroes. Um, the first two issues are with them, the Avengers. Then they go help out Ronan, She Hulk, and even the Pet Avengers. And essentially, it's just a fun romp with Guardians characters helping out other superheroes. What did you guys think about this one? Real quick. So yeah, Bandis did the first uh, the first arc, and then we got Sam Humphreys and Mike Mayhew on the Black Vortex arc. And then we got we got John Lehman and Otto Schmidt on the She-Hulk stuff. And then we got a cool rocket story by Andy Lanning and Andy Schmidt and Gustavo Duarte. I mostly had a good time at this, Ben. Um the Black Vortex one is an awful event. So I'm glad you guys will only ever read one issue of it. And it's <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like that. Um Vortex. it's not a good event. It's not, it's not a good event. Also, I I love when I'm reading all the books and I'm like, oh, this book is part six in the event. When I'm not reading any of the books, y'all just jumped into part six of an event you don't know you've never read. So I'm sure that was like bananas. Well, what's, so um, what's so funny about that is I, I, I when I saw that, I was like, oh, the Black Vortex event. It's probably not collected in the trade. We probably don't have to read it. But it is. It's in the damn trade. Yeah, and that's weird. That's the only weird one is the Black Vortex issue. I don't know why. It's because it's a Guardians team up, so like it is in the comic, but like it's it's weird. So it's when weird. I was trying, I so a little backstory. When I was trying to pick a Guardians book, I was there was I was looking at Guardians books that we haven't read and I haven't read at all, and one volume that came up was um, Cosmic Avengers. But then I found that that the whole storyline of Cosmic Avengers was jumping through a whole different type of books. I'm like I don't want to do that, and then. I was I saw Guardians team up and I said issues one through five volume one I'm like oh there we go what cohesive yeah. story or at least the beginning of a cohesive story 
when I got to issue three, I was so confused. And yeah. I also do agree the Black Vortex part was not that good. And I will be honest here, I skimmed it. Yeah, that's fair. I still how dare you? This is your book club. <laughs> All right. Real quick, let's let's do these in their pieces, yeah. shall we? So like one and two. Well, what what do you think of them overall? Because we've been giving our initial oh. thoughts. Well, sure. Um, I, I liked I liked four out of five of them. Yeah, I liked none of them. Wow, none? Oh, wow. I liked one of them. I liked the Pet Avengers one. Yeah, Pet Avengers are pretty cute. Wow. Uh, all, all right, right, let's get into it. <laughs> I um I personally I I'm a big fan of uh, Arthur Adams. Uh, I love his old school look. Uh, I love the way he draws Rocket. I, I because it just looks like it's like a really realistic looking Rocket. I love it's it. It's a good style. Yeah, I love. Uh, yeah, I love his facial expressions. I just love the way he draws like kind of blocky, sexy people. Uh, 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 this was a fun one. Yeah. Look, Avenger- I I love when the ship flies by the Avengers Tower and Hawkeye is trying to eat. Yes. He just looks out, just head down. Oh yeah. God. This, yeah, this is a Avengers Guardians team up book. Uh, this was a uh, uh, two issues. This was a, a a good fun time. You know, just you know nothing. Nothing crazy. Just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have these guys team up. Um, I really like the same page that I'm sure you do, which is about Jessica being like, "All right, um, the raccoon is talking. That's that's it. I guess that's my line. I didn't oh. know it, but that's my yeah. line. I'm out. <laughs> I didn't know what my line was until now. You can count. You can do this without me. I haven't done laundry in three weeks. Yep. <laughs> uh, great. That's great. Uh, I think my personal, fa- honestly, my personal favorite is, um, or my personal favorites were She Hulk and the Pet Adventures. I love the She-Hulk one. That's I so did. Fun. Those that, were my favorites that's so too. Fun. Um, but we are still just talking about the first oh, yeah, two the fir- issues. Oh, yeah, right first now, two issues. Like, um, um, any of your thoughts on the first two um, issues? Apparently he has none. <laughs> no, I do. I do. First two issues, um, I thought they were. it was a good like set of like, you know, the Guardians meeting uh, the Avengers. And even like when some of the guard, I want to say it was, I was like, wait, where's so-and-so? I was like, we go through roster changes. Not everyone's here all the time. You know a few of us. And of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. when Jessica is like, "Nope, I'm out," well, like when she flies away, and even the part where Sparks uh, mentioned about, to me, when, when Hawkeye looks over, he's eating his cereal, and he just sighs and lays his head down. He's like, "Great, I gotta leave. I gotta go to work." To me, that like yeah. classic Bendis writing right there, or Bendis yeah. comedy in a sense. I love this Avengers team because this is the Hickman's uh, Avengers World team, where it is just like the Justice League Unlimited. It is like a hundred different Avengers, and they're just constantly every arc it's rotating out. We read uh, uh, a Shang Chi arc in secret uh, a while ago, long time ago. Um, yeah, I really like. Really, what draws me to the first two issues is mostly the paneling, yeah. more than anything. It's so good. I think the art paneling in these first two issues is just really good. Um, so yeah you got a big uh, g- g- cool splash page of all the event. Yeah. Oh come on, baby! <laughs> of all the guys assembling, and then Rockets like. What does the rocket say? Uh, Guardians, ah, oh, it's not the yeah. same. I know, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a page here. Oh yeah, um, there's just there's like a paramedic and a cop, and they're like, oh, we should call someone about this. You're supposed to call the Avengers, but I think these are the Avengers. Nuh-uh. I think that is. Is that Iron Man? That's a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> that is a raccoon. That is a raccoon. That one got me. I, I don't. So one of one of the things that that kind of hurts this book for me is that I don't really like this Avengers team. Um, specifically what Brian, what Brian Michael Bendis did with the Avengers was, I know it happened before the movie, but they adhered very close to what the movie was going to be. Um, and I never, I, that was the, the that's my, that's my like it, gap in guardians. Cause I've read most of the guardians runs, but like that, that point of guardians, I was like, eh, it's not really working for me. Sure. I think that book is 
it looks better than anything because David Marquez does the art. Uh, yeah. uh, that book's totally fine though. Um, but uh, yeah, this first arc, it's you know, it's just it's just a good time, you know. Uh, and there's the third issue. And then there's the third. The issue. black vortex. <laughs> the black vortex. Yeah, I got. Uh, did I take any pictures of the black vortex? <laughs> yeah, I think you have this one. Oh, right. that is sorry. That is that is. Yeah. sorry. That was we like one. we like this. This is good art. Which one is it? Uh, we like which one art. is it? That is it. This is where all the the Avengers Guardians team up. You know, that's from of them assembling. From the second issue happens. That's from no, the that, second issue. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, Black Vortex deals with all the space stuff with with oh, uh, beast, beast and shit. Oh yeah. Black right. Vortex, okay. like, um, don't include the sixth part of an ongoing event in your trade. Just don't do that. It's but it's, it's unfortunate because it's technically it's issue three of of the books, but it's a dumb crossover. It's but they've awful. they've um, not put they've elected to not include uh, a single a certain single issues to that break up the story before, and it's only been like when you wait for like the the complete editions that you get the that the sequential issues. But it's so weird that it's yeah. here. There is I did take one picture of the Black Vortex issue. Uh, it is it's beast. Oh, you're not gonna be able to see it. It's beast mm. over like broken space, and he's like, it's broken. I broke the fabric of space time. That's a good looking page. The art yeah. in that issue is real good. Yeah, I like beast being like, oh no, I did it. I did it. I ruined it. <laughs> take accountability for once, uh, Hank McCoy. Thank you. I also like um, Thrall showing up all Sinestro like. Oh yeah, Thrawn. Uh, Th- Thon, sorry, Thon. Yeah. <laughs> Thon. Uh, yeah, his Thanos' son. Who I think most people have kind of forgotten about these days, but one day I'll rewrite him back into his canon. Isn't it Thane? I thought he was pretty cool. Thane. 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 Thrawn, or all wrong. It's Thane. You're right. Thane. I, I will so agree that art was pretty cool because when I was like, oh, that's neat. And then I was like, I have no context for any of this. Ebony Maw shows up. I do. I do like Ebony Maw because I did read after this, like like some of the Infinity stuff. Uh, but like uh, he takes, he basically becomes like a, a Thane's like uh, like master apprentice. He's like, I'm gonna help you become the best Thanos you can be. Uh, and I don't think it works out. All right, fourth issue. issue. She Hulk. <gasps> Let's talk about Gamora and She Hulk. Oh god, green screens are awful. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. It looks like Spider Man actually right there. That's pretty cool. I thought this issue was a ton of fun. Uh, I really like this because, like, to me, I was like, okay, so this is a this is a Disney Plus special right here. For uh, real? Just do one single special. Uh, Gamora, as like working with the Ravagers, has someone hunting her, ends up on Earth. Yeah. Gets gets confused with She Hulk. That's more <laughs> there than you one go. Green Lady in New York City. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. I love the the pretense of this story. I love it being like, why would it be that hard? It's full of like pink fleshy people. Go go get her. How hard could it be? Yeah. Cut to Jen Walters walking around all She Hulk style. And like, oh boy, good, good antics are about to ensue. Yeah. God, the art, uh, Schmidt's art is always always awesome. Uh, great, great. Uh, uh, What's it called? Uh, uh, and then you, you brought up the other like uh, vignettes or like uh, shadows, like when you see, you can see, you can tell someone's. Um, oh, you mean like? Uh, well, shoot! Oh, you know what Optimus Prime line you, art. You see somebody's silhouette. Silhouette. Uh, silhouette. Thank silhouette. you. I think he good. He has good dynamic posing for silhouettes. I didn't know if that was the word you were looking for because you said silhouette. Did I say silhouette? <laughs> you, you did earlier on, and then I, I was, was like, looking for. I was looking, looking for a harder. Word. I heard him. I heard him say vignette. I'm like, what's a vignette? He said vignette, silhouette, and I wow. was like, he said silhouette? What word I need a word? harder Scrabble word. <laughs> <laughs> we got there in the end, y'all. Uh, yeah, this is just a fun a fun one issue. This absolutely can be like a one-hour, like, Gamora's lost in New York and meets up with She-Hulk and oopsie-poopsie. Like, right, yeah. I, I just love when she gets dressed up like Gamora and they turn it on this, like, guy who's, like, his whole thing is, like, cloning copies of himself. And so, like, they've got these two 
uh throwing him off his game with the cloning thing this is also like one of my favorite art pieces which is not going to show up at all because like you know a lot of green, but it's the it's the when she's slashing down the blade you see his eye reflected in it mm. and, oh, and yeah. she's saying uh uh you know do you want to deal with this the the deadliest women in the galaxy the deadliest women Hell yeah. um i also just, just like, love, like the... you actually I actually also love the. I thought you might. One of the parts of the beginning where Jen is on the phone with her, um, with paralegal Angie, and she's like, "Hey, how come there's a police report of you fighting in Central Park right now?" And Jen's like in the middle of a crosswalk, going, "I'm what?" <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just a fun idea, yeah. um, and and like the art's really good mm-hmm. throughout. So I I would very quickly uh give up money to watch tatiana maslani and zoe saldana oh, yeah. do this this story essentially as really a fun. special i think that would that's like what the disney plus specials feel like they're there for is some some goofy ass mm. thing like yeah, that you hear that Absolutely. marvel yeah do it well do after it. the writer strike after the writer strike yeah, unless yeah. you've already written it and it's filmed and we just don't know about it <laughs> yeah. uh is it time to talk about a uh, vulture von Doom? i love vulture von, von Doom so much and, uh, the, pets, the, the, the pets of the evil masters that was funny i, I, I love know. i love vulture von doom i love that i don't know why i don't know why i love that dr doom gets like so much representation because not only is vulture von doom like the leader also uh tiger wild dr doom's pet tiger is also in the bad group so dr doom's just like killing it i don't baby. uh one of my favorite gags in this is uh cosmo talking with rocket it's like there have been tons of incredible monitoring heroes like tuatu <laughs> the cosmic owl yeah <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. The, cos- <laughs> the cosmic worm. That killed me. Tuatu, the cosmic owl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. Honestly, the, the scene that got me is the famous dogs playing poker riff with all the Marvel oh, yeah. pets. And, I got it. And Throg is just there. I love that. Like, I really Rock, is tr- for sure. Rock is just trying to get his beer. He's just trying to enjoy a brew. While doing modern duty, he finds Cosmo with the rest of the pets, and Lockjaw has the beer in his mouth. I'm like, that's hilarious. I I like that. Uh, <laughs> Cosmo uh, or, or Rocket's like, how could you keep this from me? And it's like, it never really came up. It's just, it's a superhero tradition. You're not really a superhero. Like, oh. I really, I really love seeing the Pet Avengers. I think it's a really fun idea p- tying. Um, rocket with the pet avengers i love cosmo i love lockjaw throg is here i like uh red wing is here yeah, like yeah. that was that, that really fun really fun issue i thought uh, i my favorite of the evil the evil pet masters is bitey mcspidey bite the mutant radioactive spider that bit peter parker <laughs> right he's just in this team i think that's kind of I, I for a second i was like who the hell is bitey mcspidey bite and then i was then I was just like, this, and it's really can't. funny because they all have their villains in the back, like the villain that they're associated with in the background. But the spider bite is just Peter Parker from the sixties. It's just nerdy, yeah. nerdy ass. <laughs> Honestly, just the fact that they named him Spidey McSpidey bite is like that's like when kids get. I remember this thing where kids got oh, to yeah, name an emu or name an animal, and they call him Spazzy McGee or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bodie face. I remember Bodie face. <laughs> Rocket feels very in tone with uh, the way Bradley Cooper has him in yeah. the movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for this particular issue. I, def- I definitely um, heard. I really like Lockjaw. I definitely heard the voice. Yeah, I like when Lockjaw uh, gets him his beer at the end. Mm-hmm. Gets him an yeah. eight pack this time, not a and six he pack. He shares it. Yeah, so cute. He's a good friend. Cute. Yeah. Cute. Even oh. when uh, when they take the mask off Vulture Von Doom, he's like, "I am hideous." He's like, well, "You're a vulture. What do you expect?" <laughs> Yeah, right. You just <laughs> yeah. look like a vulture. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fun. All right. Is that it? Yeah. 
cool. Ryan. Sorry about Black Vortex. Ryan, it's your book club next week. Do you know what it is? Hot dog? I don't know what it oh. is. All right. Are we, what are, what's, uh, what's the topic next week? Do we know yet? Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll think of something archaeological. And Indiana Jones, did they make Indiana Jones comics? They must have. I'm yes. sure, but we're not going to read them. I'm there, pick are, something. there are Indiana Jones comics. I'll pick some cool image comic that's about. Dark Horse had them. John, Jonathan Jones. The, you know, Diamond Destiny's not coming out next week, is it? No, we're doing Indiana yeah. Jones 3 and 4. Oh, that would have been what man! What a what a summer banger! I can't banger. handle that. Are you kidding me? I was uh, I yeah, was too much. I was like, are we doing the movies or just down this? I thought that came out. I in have June. to say, I have to say goodbye to Rocket. There's a calendar and a schedule. I have to I'm say goodbye still... to Rocket and Indiana Jones in the same year, in the same month. Don't make me do that. Spark. We went over it before you left. Sparks, in my defense, I'm still have vacation brain. Ben, next sure. week is actually Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. It's finally out. Oh shut up! Then you have to then you have to watch two Indiana Jones movies this week. I, I can do oh, that. That's fine. Oh gee, Willikers! Oh no! Whatever what will I do? The horror! Woohoo! <laughs> and then Ben and then Ben in two weeks you're gonna have to watch two Mission Impossible's. Right. Hell yeah! Oh, I'm so excited to do those. I, I I am I'm look I'm I'm jazzed as hell to be doing Indiana Jones. I love Indiana Jones, but like man, finally getting Ben on Mission Impossible hype that's gonna be so good. Hell yeah. Because I still haven't forgiven Ben for going like, you know what wasn't the best trailer of the week? Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It was Thor Love and Thunder for me. Hey there, audience members. Uh, We're about to be wrapping up here, and you've just heard us talk about the fact that we're talking about some Indiana Jones movies this this coming week. So we're talking about uh, The Last Crusade and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, dear listener slash viewer, you may be wondering, but wait, haven't you talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom? Don't you need to do that first? Well, I'm here to tell you. You should check out our channel this week, where, of course, our discussion will release as a cinephile discussing those very films before we come back on Sunday to talk about three and four. So get all your Indiana Jones in this week, friends. It feels like you just blacked out and became Rob Zachary. I'm not going to lie. He sounded just like the Waypoint guy, and I love that. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, so so, so next week, uh, Indiana Jones three and four, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the Last Crusade. Um, Looking forward to that. That's... That's that. That's it. That's everything we got. Um, stay tuned for Ryan's book club. And uh, all right, guys, check out. Uh, make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. Uh, you can check out all sorts of shows on this channel, uh, such as. Well, it's not on. What is that? What? It's a Force Unleashed promo. May the Force blow your mind. Oh. Wow, what a what a thing. I prefer <laughs> be with you. Thank you. Become the <laughs> ultimate. That's Transformers. But uh, Transformers. Do you guys remember Yoda? Yoda the man. That was that was an ad in Attack of the Clones. It was Yoda the I man. Do. Yeah, I remember being like eleven, thinking that was. All funny. right. Um. So of course you can check out uh, an audio format. My latest issue of Con- my latest episode of Conversation. The second uh, episode uh, is out now. I talked to Kyle Andre of the Dragon Ball Super Dope podcast. Really enjoyed that conversation. Really happy with that one. Um. Stay tuned for more episodes in two weeks' time. I got a I got a good guess, which which I will leave for the end of the third end of the second episode. For now, I will mention who that guest is next week. But it's a good one, guys. I'm excited. Um. It's Ben. I'm kidding. <laughs> um. And of course, check out uh all sorts of other shows on this channel. Again, like this video, subscribe to this channel. Uh, such as Fake Nerds Watch. 
Uh, we just wrapped up Star Trek Picard and the Mandalorian a couple weeks ago. Stay tuned for uh, Secret Invasion. I always forget. That one's next, right? Next month? Yep. Yes, Secret Invasion next month. That uh, that and Strange New Worlds are kind of going to hit Fake Nerds Watch at the same time. So until then, uh, we'll be focusing on some other things that are coming down the pipeline, like Animation Station, Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Check out Visions Volume 1, but Visions Volume 2 will be coming in the near future. Yeah. True, true. Uh, well, Animation Station, as Spark said, a uh, new episode of with Star Wars Visions Volume 1. That's out. That's in the description below. That's out now. Check it out. Um, there's also Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade Pause Mini are two video game shows. Basement Arcade Pause Mini is our video game discussion show, whereas Basement Arcade Regular cool. is just the, the Let's Play series. It's just Let's Plays. Um, a lot of fun. We've been recording for some. I'm excited for those. Yeah. Yeah, there will be there will be some Basement Arcade this month, so keep an eye out for that as well. Um, and, of course, Fakner Book Club, uh, which is also there. And our newest show, The Real Score. Uh, the Real Score is our, is, our, is our brand new baby boy show. Uh, or baby girl, I won't judge. Um, where we talk about the Batman uh, that's out now, that's still out now. Uh, new episode uh, coming soon with the Mask of Zorro. Mm-hmm. And we already mentioned up top, but there's one coming up for, for King Kong. That, that show's happening, guys. Uh, Patreon, T Public, if you want to support us financially, uh, we really appreciate it if you do. Um, those, are, those, are, those are there. You can check out our website. Uh, all those links are linked below. Our website is also linked below, and you can, that is a hub for everything. It is up to date, it is completely up to date. Um, there are uh, there is now a link where you can find the real score, for example. Um, so check so go check that site out. We got a lot of stuff on there. Links to everything that I mentioned here. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show, and thank you to everyone who watches the replay. Uh, we greatly appreciate your support. Thank you to Jeremy Valucci, a new co-host of the Real Score, and the person who did all the music referred here tonight, as well as on our, all of our shows. Um, and him with the new conversation theme, also the kind of jazzy kind of conversation, conversation kind of intro. I really like it. Um, you can find his show, Suburban, Suburban Proctologist. Sorry, you can find him at Jeremy Valucci. Wreck of, underscore wreck of time you can also check out his show suburban proctologist which just put up a new episode uh on itunes facebook.com slash suburban proctologist official instagram at subrock podcast um support him we love him you can also check out mike Matola, frequent collaborator of ours just did a couple of our logos uh including conversations in the logo um mike is a wonderful human being you can find him at mike Matola on instagram and twitter nope instagram and tiktok yep that's correct um you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, where a new issue, where a new um, entry in my Infinity Saga revisiting series, but Iron Man's PTSD is published. Um, and uh, Kaiju, I am also uh, editor for the website for KaijuRanaMedia.com, a, a new, my King Kong article. Because I talked about it earlier today. My King Kong article was published in the most recent issue of the magazine. Check that out if you'd like. Uh, Grayson, thanks so much, everyone. Have a great night and a fantastic week. You too, sir. Ben. Goodbye, sir. Uh, you could uh, you could find me bracing for the mental hellscape that is my job tomorrow, but also uh, watching Indiana Jones and blazing through Metroid Prime so I could get ready to for Tears of the Kingdom at Ben Magna 27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You could also find me writing for. You're really not going to be on the Jedi Survivor. No, bro, you are definitely not playing this game, are oh, you? Oh, no, I'm playing that game because someone has a copy for me. You... And I'll... 
Are you beating that yes, game? Yes, I'm going to beat. You're just not going to play that. You're just not going to be on that discussion, are you? I what? Peer pressure. You just mentioned two games that weren't it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You continue. Sorry, Ben. We're just we're just goofing your gobs. Me. <laughs> goofing your gobs. Yeah. Gooping. We're gooping you. <laughs> Ben. Oh, excuse me. You could find me at Ben Mag Twenty Seven Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Also find me writing for Fusion Game Magazine, Old School Gamer Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein in the Dungeons and Dragons Real Play Podcast, Dean Dark, which is linked down below. Good show, Sparks. Uh, you can find me going for a swing to land and then missing, whiffing, falling back, and then thinking, "Damn, I thought that was closer." At Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, F P A R K Z Witty. Mm. <laughs> Good night, man. I still like. I still like that joke. Good night, Mag. Um, Ryan. Hey, guys, you can find me um, the closing the doors on Star Wars Jedi Survivor because it's almost beaten, so I can play Game of the Year. Uh, uh, I'll call it Breath of the Wild, too. Tears, uh, of, the Tears of the Kingdom, colon, the new Zelda, the new Zelda saga uh, at DJ Tony Snark 616. I'm so excited. I just can't hide Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds. Peace.